0: Coming up on Telling the Odds, Mandalorian Season 2 finally has a release date, John Boyega lets loose on Lucasfilm, and we look back on the final installment of the original trilogy, Return of the Jedi. All that and more coming up now.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Telling the Odds with your hosts, Jack Dunn and Michael. <laughs> I don't know why I did myself second, but we're all good. Uh, it's fine. How's your week been, Michael? Yeah, Good, yep. Yeah. Um... Working hard, but now I get to have a fun podcast on the weekends. Yeah, so. I, I've actually always wondered,
0: like you know, for the podcast listeners who like don't know us, I wonder if we've ever said my last name. And then I realized when I was like searching on the, oh, I was just yeah. making, I was just making sure that the podcast was like submitted. Like my yep. full name is literally under the. Yep. The, the the cover art exactly. so it doesn't really matter um, yeah
1: because every, everything's kind of been done under your name and they're all still done under jack dunn so <laughs> uh
0: yeah. yeah anyway um yeah we're gonna yeah, go I mean, to if, you, if you want
1: to keep it secret and then to he- easter egg you could blur out the two times i say it but
0: <laughs> no no it's fine i really don't care um here's no, something yeah. here, here's something cool uh, i ordered a, a big star wars poster for my room this week because Ooh. uh well like i've got posters all like right above my head right now. I can now. see
1: one in the background now, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've got uh, the poster for Back to the Future, which is my favourite film of all time. And then I've, and I've got a Deadpool poster and I've got a Marvel poster. But I wanted... Because I've already got a Marvel poster on the other side of my room, so I wanted to change that up and make this wall here... Like, they're my biggest posters um, hmm. uh, like in, in the room. Um, they're like A1. So I wanted to make them like my three favourite films. So Back to the Future is over here. I'm going to have Star Wars over there. Well, technically Empire is better, but I wanted to have... Like the first, there's something really wholesome and like gratifying about having the original Star Wars poster on your yeah, wall, definitely, definitely. and uh, pop fiction because pop fiction I also love to death. Good choices, good yeah, choices. My three favorite films.
1: I think. Films. <laughs> I think- things i have on my wall i have a force awakens poster uh-huh. i've got some doctor who ones yeah uh i have a map from a video game yeah <laughs> so well, see right <laughs> less now consistent, like but, uh...
0: the, the star wars and pulp fiction posters haven't arrived through mail yet uh but like right now i've got back to the future i've got marvel i've got the avengers like you know just the, the original comic version of the avengers deadpool yeah. i've got a middle cool. i got a middle earth poster on my wall and, oh, very, um, very nice. I technically have Star Wars and Pulp Fiction on my on the other side of my wall, but they're much smaller. I wanted to, you yep. know, make them a lot bigger. Um, and those are, and those smaller ones, will we just go somewhere else. Anyway, we mm-hmm. are talking about Star Wars. Oh so, um, yeah, well, we was Star Wars podcast episode yes.
1: fifteen. We're all... yeah. Well, we're going episode,
0: episode fifteen, yeah. Episode we got 15.
1: a lot on the plate for today's episode, everyone.
0: Yeah, I actually realized that I accidentally called last week's episode <laughs> episode fifteen. That's my bad. This week what is episode fifteen. We'll um, just do episode fifteen twice. Episode fifteen only twice. Lis-
1: only true listeners will know the true episode fifteen. Yeah, because why not? It's, it's, um, I'll
0: will t- tell you what. You wouldn't know that the Earth is is dying. Right now, because it's a beautiful day outside. Um, <laughs> it is.
1: In Australia. It's probably um, That's other yeah. places. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the world's um, interesting.
0: We had a great show last week. Trey White was just a brilliant guest. Yeah, uh, lots of fun, lots of yeah, fun. Yeah, that, that, that was a very, very fun time, and I had a great time like editing it, because he was just so articulate. He was going, let's talk about Trey White for a bit. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we, got a, <laughs> we got a lot of news to get into, guys, because our yep. first news story of the day pertains to Mandalorian, We still do not have a trailer, which is totally no trailer yet. Which is totally fine. We're we're totally not dying inside. Um, (laughs) No, it's good. but we do have a release date for season two. We did know that uh, it was coming in October, but that was it. But anyway, uh, the silence on the part of the people behind the renowned Star Wars series, the Mandalorian, has been broken. But the release date finally released to the public. On Thursday it was sent out on the Mandalorian official Twitter page that this is the day. New episodes start streaming on October 30th on hashtag Disney plus hashtag the Mandalorian. The news of the release date also brought with it the official title logo for the second season seeing the main colour palette of the logo changing from a bright gold to a deep blue. Also, Mando Mando also shares his inclusion, like you know, he shows up like as a little silhouette on like the A or whatever. Uh, yep. He now shares that with Baby Yoda, the newly introduction- indoctrinated member of the uh, of-, of the Mandalorian Creed or the Mudhorn Clan, as they as they now are. Um, regardless of a lack of a trailer or uh, even a release date itself for the trailer or anything, uh, the fans' minds can at least be put at ease knowing that we actually have a specific time where we will be welcomed back into that world. But um, on top of providing a release date for the show we also have some cool new confirmation as to what characters will appear in in the show's second season. As of this week, Katie Sackhoff has been officially confirmed to to appear in her live-action debut as the sister of Satine Kryze, who was made famous in the Clone Wars, uh, Bo-Katan. Seeing as as Bo-Katan has been seen to wield the Dark Sabre in the past, uh, and said weapons inclusion in the second season of the show will no doubt have massive implications as to her character's role in the show. Um, Also... Uh, Carl Weathers has officially confirmed his return to the show. Uh, we did, we knew that he was directing an episode, uh, throughout the, you know, the episodes that we'll get in season two, but now we have official confirmation that his character Grief Carga will be returning, uh, which he, which he, uh, confirmed by taking to Twitter saying, uh, simply, Grief Carga is back, hashtag B-Peace. Uh, with Feathers ooh, feathers. with Weather's feathers. character returning it can be said that in some capacity Mando's quest to reunite the child with it's own kind will in some way lead back to the guild and in essence Griff himself and finally got a lot of news coming out of the Mandalorian this week apparently yeah. uh, other than a trailer <laughs> they're giving us everything but the trailer um, yep. finally Timothy Oliphant is also set to make an appearance in the second season um, there's been no further description as to what character he will be playing but his history of playing antagonistic characters may lend itself to the type of role he'll be filling in the uh, upcoming season. He was known as uh, the villain, and I believe it was the fourth Die Hard movie. He was right. He was just in What's uh, Upon a Time in Hollywood for, with Quentin Tarantino. Um, and yeah, that's 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 basically it on the Mandalorian front. Some yeah, cool lot, news lots to un- of,
1: lots of news to get through. Some cool um, news to unpack there. Um, definitely, I mean, for me, I think so. It's just, it's really interesting how often. Do you get like the announcement like that? It's like not only that we, we knew it was going to come at the end of the year, yeah. but like that it's coming October 30th, But we still haven't seen anything, not like a this single is, thing. And like... this is less than two months off. Like I it's know. we're 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 recording this. Oh well, it's this is coming out September sixth. Yes. So that that's. Like it's not a it's not a large time away. Like I know. Wait, hang and on. I'm just going
0: to qu- quickly going to Google when what the release date for this for season one was. Um, I think it was
1: early November, I but think I'm it not. It was sure early November. You. While you're googling uh, that, I've, I've got some stuff to say. I think it was November twelfth. Uh, November twelfth. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna have to be like I think it's gonna be. It's gonna have to be soon, or at least. I mean, it it would make sense to be soon, but I feel like it's just going to have, as we were were talking about last week, it's probably going to be like a bigger reveal of some sort, like a, like a, like a wow, like a soaker being shown on screen or something to that degree. Because to like not have seen anything yet, considering the uh, other Mandalorian trailer we got last year was a lot earlier than this year, but also the show was done later. Like, I don't know. It's just how I see it. I think um, at this
0: point we already had a second trailer for the first season. Yeah, exactly. No, well, because look, the first trailer, uh, like we just said, the first season debuted on uh, the twelfth of November, and the first trailer was released in August. All right, so this mm. one, so this uh, second season, not only has a narrower release date being almost two weeks earlier, but at the same time, it's well into September now, and we don't yep. have a trailer yet. And okay, look, I we want to see the trailer so, so bad. We're going to, it's going to blow our minds when we do because of this news that we're talking about last week with Ahsoka kicking ass in a cantina somewhere. Um, but at the same time, I like, it's, it's completely contradictory to everything we've just been saying, because at the same time, if we don't get a trailer, I I wouldn't be totally cut up about it. Maybe I maybe we want to. Do you to want to see... go into a blind? I kinda I kinda do. Because okay, look. L- listen. Well, I, like
1: I, I agree that would be an interesting experience, but this is yeah. Disney we're talking about. No, <laughs> of course. It's not going to happen. The
0: trailer's gonna happen yeah. eventually. But yeah. I mean look, look the trailer could be like a seven second shot of baby Yoda eating root leaf soup and we'd all buy it and, and cont- and totally suck it up. Um, yep. yeah, it would, li- it could literally just be that. And I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm going to see it. Cause there's the next season of Mandalorian. Um, yeah. Yeah. So look, we have a release date. That's awesome. Also, I noticed in the logo, we were just talking about yeah. how in the logo it's darker color, which is kind of cool. It's like set at night mm. now. I love we're breaking down the color of, I've got
1: more things to break down when after you mention this video. Okay,
0: well because I also noticed in the logo is it just me, or did Baby Yoda seem like kind of taller? Like he, he. That's
1: that's the thing, yep. yeah, so yeah. Yeah. So someone, someone, I saw, I saw online on Reddit or somewhere they uh compa- the compared Baby Yoda's height to the Mandalorian as opposed to his height, the Mandalorian in the original show, and yeah. he's grown by about ten percent.
0: So. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, he's getting older. He's he <laughs> like, getting older. He he ages. Yeah. Obviously, we only, we know that they age very very slow, but you know, exactly. it probably lends itself to maybe the idea that like you know maybe a year has passed or something or, like that. Or-
1: Maybe he's going through a puberty part of the Yoda species where he's growing <laughs> Yo- a lot.
0: Yoda puberty. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, so, so that's interesting. Uh, look, oh, I'm, yeah. I am I am so interested to see where their story that's goes good. next because, like, you know, it's... I really want to, you know, see, you know, he's... Apparently, trying to reunite him with his people, but at the same time, Grief Carga is still going to be involved. Obviously, yeah. Moff Gideon's going to have a huge part to play. And I know uh, Ahsoka. Ahsoka's yeah, coming back. So well,
1: Ahsoka, I was really interested. So, that, uh, we've known for a while, or at least we've quote unquote known that uh, Bo Katan would come back. But, like, having yes. this just confirmed, I think, like, uh, even though like the original season was called The Mandalorian and there were Mandalorians in it, the actual Mandalorian culture wasn't really a main center part of the plot of the original show. No. It was more just there were like characters there and it was learning about like the backstory of, of uh of uh what's his name? Uh, character-
0: Pre- uh no what's
1: the main character's name?
0: In in what? The
1: The uh, Mandalorian. Oh, Dinjarin. Dinjarin, that's yeah. it. <laughs> um so I think season two will Have like a much bigger focus on like the actual Mandalorian culture and Mandalore and the Darksaber as like the plot of the show. I think that that then that would be really interesting.
0: I hope so because like obviously it wasn't really
1: cool to get a live action version of Mandalore if it's not destroyed away from the Verge.
0: Hey, hey, uh, you know. It would be interesting to see how Mando reacts to Moth Gideon having the Dark because as we know yeah. that th- whoever has the Dark commands the Mandalorian culture. Um, and I'd be interested to
1: know if he knows the significance of it, though. Because
0: well, he was he was like he
1: uh, was he was a child in the Clone Wars, and he and he, means, and he, and and he and says
0: clearly he wasn't born on Mandalore. He was, exactly. he was indoctrinated into the creed.
1: Yeah, so he's he's a he's a foundling. Um, yeah. And so the man the Dark at the time of Clone Wars was used by Maul, or was used by Pre Vizsla, then taken by Pre Vizsla and used by Maul. Yeah. Uh, and then, I don't know if we know what happened to it after that, for how long, or just Maul had it. I think Maul had it for well, like... That's the thing, it's really weird is because, for rebels. is
0: because the last time you see it, in Clone Wars at least, is when Maul has that fight with Sidious in, I believe it's yes. the end of Season 5, The Lawless, I believe the episode is yeah, called, exactly. right after Satine is killed. Um, and then the next thing you see of it is in Rebels when they... when I. I think it's on Malachor. I think it's on, it's Mal- on Malachor. It's on Malachor. Yeah, it's in when... like a
1: little shrine that, that Maul had. Yeah, But that's it... the thing. Maul doesn't use it in like the comics set after the Clone Wars episode or when he reappears in the Siege of Mandalore.
0: No, he doesn't use it at all. It's just... It's, so, it's, it's really interesting what happened to it and I'm not yeah, sure if I don't, they'll, I'm, we don't know I'm, I'm not sure if they'll like dive into that little little gap in the Darksaber's yes. origin what story I, I really want to see how cool would it be to see like if they do manage to I don't know flashback at least at some point oh, yeah. if you got to see that first Mandalorian Jedi yeah oh, 100% that
1: constructing would be the awesome dark,
0: that would be sick but um, more,
1: more what I was saying was like the significance of the Darksaber as a weapon at the time of uh, Din Djarin, like becoming a Mandalorian from a foundling, is like really not as much there. Unless, uh, to be fair, he might or he may or may not, because he was indoctrinated during the Clone Wars, have heard of everything happening with Maul and heard of the significance of the Darksaber at that point. But, like, actually, he probably would have been told the past through like that. And so, especially the first Jedi, that so the first Mandalorian Jedi, would probably be a significant part of Mandalorian culture and, and the history of that. Yeah, so he probably would have like found out about it and heard about it. Yeah, but certainly he wouldn't have he wouldn't have like known about it in the context of their ruler wielding it in the yeah. way that Previsla and like previous people would have done it.
0: Oh, hey, you know what? You know what else is because like you know it actually raises you you raise a good point. Would he know the significance of the dark saber because it's it uh, we we learned that in season in the last episode of season one, Din Djarin has no idea who the Jedi are. He, he's... Really? He, he's... Because remember, like, you know... Oh, that yeah. That, that, um... What's her name? The, the, the female Mandalorian who does all the, um... You yes, know, the, the, the armorsmith. The, or arm, no. the Yeah, exactly. The blacksmith Mandalorian. She, like, you know, talks about the Jedi as if he has no idea who they are. Like, you know, um... Din Djarin refers to them as, like, a group of alien sorcerers. Like, he has no yeah. context of who the Jedi are, and yet the, and yet the entire origin of the thing of the that Dark is supposed Saber. to command yeah. them, the Darksaber, was constructed because of the first Mandalorian being a Jedi, which is really interesting. Um, yeah,
1: I would say that there's probably two reasons for that. One, yeah. the culture of the, of the Darksaber, or, like, the history of the Darksaber, is, like cultural like area specific or kind of lost over time where it's like it's devolved from being the original specific story to do with the dark saber and more just like a tale of a warrior who wielded a weapon or maybe he just hasn't learned that part of the history as you said he is a foundling and he just he he may not have like especially at the time of mandalore when he became a Mandalorian was in, like very much political turmoil and, and like oppressed with the empire and everything. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's possible that like, yeah, either, either his history of Mandalore that he's learned is edited or changed over time, or he mm-hmm. just simply does, hasn't learned about the dark saber. Yeah. But either way, him not knowing about the Jedi is definitely going to have an impact when he comes into, well, if he comes into contact with, uh, uh Moff Gideon wielding the Darksaber in in season two.
0: No doubt. And like that's also a reason why I'm actually really like you know, we've been talking about like, you know, all these all these new characters, you don't want it to be uh like, you know, cluttered up. Who's like the main character who you think uh who you think's inclusion would be the most justified? I have to say Bo Katan. Because for two reasons. One, yeah, Dinjaran was saved by Death Watch. And if bo yeah, a member of Death Watch, so I'd, I'd be curious as to how that plays into things. Like, because bo based on like, you know, just the chronology of Star Wars in general would be a little bit older than Din Djarin. So maybe she was around at the time that he was, you know, adopted into the creed or something like that. That'd be interesting. Maybe they, yeah. or, maybe he already knows of her. We don't know. But at the same time, the last time we saw the Darksaber before, um, before, uh, we saw it with Moff Gideon. Bo-Katan was given it and she was basically left to rule Mandalore after that Rebels arc took us back to Mandalore and that was it. So chronologically, chronologically the last time we saw it was uh, when she she was left with it in Rebels and then the next time we see it is in that final scene with Moff Gideon. So it'd be interesting to see the transition. Does he know her? Does she know that... Uh, you know, maybe he stole it from her directly, I yeah. don't
1: know. Um, you brought up an interesting thing I remembered about with, I completely forgot, yeah, he was saved by Death Watch, so um, it would be, especially, and it was Death Watch when they were still like in their blue armour, so yeah. I assume it was probably either one of two things, either pre-Mall, or when they split off, and it was the section with Maul, and either way, he would have come into contact with um uh, so they would probably yeah. know each other quite well. Yeah, I mean, um, like,
0: based on the design of the Troopers that we saw in that flashback, I like to think that it was when they were still a very formulated unit when Previsla was yeah. still commanding still, them. Yeah, still, yeah, still run
1: by Previsla, and he would have still had the dark saber, so he would have known about it from that.
0: Exactly, yeah. I, look, the the. It, you know what like you know when i saw that cliffhanger in the mandalorian season one and the darksaber showed up i'm like oh my god that's so cool but like you know it's more than just a cool little easter egg for the fans it makes so much yeah. sense that the darksaber would be involved in this story because it's the yeah, mandalorian definitely. it's like it's it's the it's this huge huge mcguffin part of their lineage and it just makes yeah. perfect sense for it to be included and also just I, the idea that i they really see. hope
1: they lean into it like me in- too. Yeah, yeah. They lean into the culture and the history of the Mandalorians as the show. Like that—that's something that would be really, yeah, uh, really cool to explore more in this season.
0: And finally, I think that that was just really awesome. That you know, a real play on the thing that they had introduced when they said, "This is the day." That I love that. Like, <laughs> mm. um, yeah, this is the day instead of this is the way. Uh, I feel like that's <laughs> gonna. I think I feel like that's what's gonna be uh, on a lot of people's minds when they just like wake up on October 30th. They're gonna be like they'll just do like the conjuring rise out of bed where they'll just go all the way up like into a 90 degree, yeah. 90 degree yeah, angle definitely. and they'll be like, this is the day. Um,
1: well, I think it'd only be episode one. They'd probably do it like weekly again. But yes, definitely. Yes, definitely. So
0: um, and October 30th probably put us around, I don't know, Early December, so I am not sure. Yeah, probably um, around Yeah. Anyway, uh that's that story. Now yeah, that's that man alone. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh really interesting. I can't wait to see more and uh Definitely. who knows maybe one percent
1: our thing we're most excited for for the uh, for Star Wars. Maybe, maybe by
0: next week we'll have a trailer. Who knows? Um <laughs> We can dream. We did say that like three weeks ago though, so <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, okay. Now our next story uh is 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 juicy. It's juicy to say the least. Um, now, so our second story revolves around a interview that. Uh, John Boyega, Finn himself uh, mm. did with GQ this week um, and he sort of spoke out against a uh, Lucasfilm and but in essence the sequel trilogy about some uh, some grievances that he has uh, or at least has amassed to over his time and now that he's you know cleared the cleared the check I guess it, uh, you could you could call it uh, from Star yeah. Wars uh, he's basically they're all basically allowed to say whatever they want and um, this is basically, and John Boyega basically took the time to, okay, well basically, uh, John Boyega has been shown to be brutally honest, not only with the media, but with the yeah. fans all over social media. Like there was a time when, uh, you know, they Disney released like a published article talking about why Rey is the most powerful Jedi who ever lived and stuff like that. And John Boyega like directly retweeted it on the same day it came out and he was just like, are, are you kidding? Have you ever met Anakin Skywalker or whatever? Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, had no qualm in speaking out on the criticism that was, that I uh, was subjected onto the newly completed star Wars sequel trilogy. He's talked openly about the fact that he has had discussions with Mark Hamill in private about some of the stuff that they weren't the biggest fans of about their treatment in the sequel trilogy. And, uh, this week was no different, Michael, because in an interview with GQ, yep. uh, Boyega spoke out, uh, spoke out about his feelings towards not only his treatment in the sequel trilogy, but the treatment of his castmates, specifically his castmates of color. Um, so in the interview itself, Boyega had, uh, this to say, what I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character, market them to do much more important, to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them push to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. So, um... Right off the bat, he's he's really getting into his uh his his feelings and all the, and uh, as he should because uh everyone has the right to express themselves, especially someone who's been in the public eye for this long, like John Boyega or like you know his castmates Daisy Ridley, Oscar yeah. Isaac, and stuff. Um, you know, what, Michael, I gotta agree. I gotta agree. I um, yeah,
1: I agree hundred percent. This look, I think definitely it's most evident with like uh his. How significant him and also like Rose as well were in Last Jedi. Yeah. And then just being so sidelined. Like, like, Rose, you can count how, like, in just in terms of minutes, how sideline she was. She's got, but like, like Finn seven seconds also, on in terms screen. of just the plot and how her significance in the film, to the, the second, to, in Rise of Skywalker, they were completely thrown to the side. I know. Like, it, look, Which... honestly, I, I, in
0: times like this, I think back to, like, 2015 when we were young and pure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I, well, and I was watching those trailers, I'm just like, this, this guy is the lead. He's totally yeah. the lead. In the, in Finn the, is
1: one hundred percent the lead in the first film. Absolutely, in he Force Awakens. He's it, the lead. Uh,
0: like you know, I I'm not gonna say like I've gone ahead and counted how much screen time he has compared to Daisy Ridley, but they're basically uh, if because he's in the whole he shows up long before Ray does. He's in that whole first sequence yeah. before she even shows up. He's probably got more. He's the he's probably got the most screen time. He fights Kylo Ren first. That was the main. That <laughs> yeah. that was that was like the,
1: and- the thing that capped off the final trailer. Um, I think it it is important to say that like, uh, we're we're not saying that Daisy Ridley like shouldn't have been the lead or whatever. Like, I think I think it's good like that they like there's an interesting fake out in the Force Awakens where it builds up this idea of Finn as the Jedi, but it turns out that like um Ray is the one that's actually the Jedi. That was good. I think more the idea is, in the original trilogy, Luke is the main character. He's the big Jedi. However luke is not the only part of that film of any of the films no, he, no is, he is one of three main central characters and in especially rise of skywalker uh but i guess parts of mm, last jedi i think it was a bit better in but definitely Rats of rise of skywalker you just don't have the same significance of the finn story uh and or any of that as you do to like the main part with like Rey and Kylo. It yeah. just completely sidelines the other parts. Like they're just part of the team. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. If It'd you watch Force War- so if- I agree with I, what uh yeah. Jobeaga said. I, I, guess, I
0: absolutely agree. Like you know there were parts in Force Awakens where there's that part where he just like um just lets his like heart out to Ray in that cantina when he's just like, I'm all, I wasn't going to kill for them or anyone. I'm done with them. I'm never going back. It set him up to be such a really interesting character and a, f- yeah. and a really flawed and dynamic character. And that's something yep. that we, had, that um, was so good about uh, Finn. And it sort of started to fade away at that point in Star Wars with this person who has done, um, who, who has done, you know, uh, Things he's not proud of, that, yeah. uh, but, uh, and yet ha- what that uh, road looks like to becoming a better person, becoming the person yeah. that you would have been in, say, the third film. And there
1: were a number of arcs brought up, or, or like, or like, ideas of where the character could go, brought up in Force Awakens and, and brought up in Last Jedi, that just went nowhere, or just like teed, like, or just like petered out, and like that might have just been done due to like the change in directors, or just the the messy behind the scenes of like the overarching story of that but Uh just in the as he says himself like in rise of skywalker the nuance the character development like all of the all of the actual like depth in the characters is given to um ray and kylo and then everyone else in that film is just to like service them like what what character development does ray does does finn go through in rise of skywalker outside of uh, he, he like he comes into contact with another stormtrooper like yeah. but like it's like janna it's like really i don't know and that's it yeah. because that's the thing is
0: that he had i think he had a had a really good arc in Force Awakens because he might be yeah, honestly exactly. he might be my favorite character in Force Awakens um and then like whether it be him or... or, or I love Rey his or,
1: relationship with Poe. Like, those two together were great. That, was
0: my, that might be my favourite part of Force Awakens, not just characters, yeah. but my favourite part of was their relationship. Um, and then in Last Jedi, he does, I will say, he does have an arc in The Last Jedi, but the thing is, basically, they wrap up what should be a three-episode arc after the second film because basically, yeah. basically what happens is he has his, 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 uh, set up to be redeemed and become a better person in force awakens and stuff like that. And in the last Jedi, he goes through that sort of thing where he has that rela- He has that sort of talk with DJ, the, you know, the, the, the thief mm. by, by, Benicio del Toro when they're on their way back to the fleet, yep. when he's just like live free, don't join and stuff like that. He sort of finds his place in the resistance and becomes, okay, I now know who I'm fighting for. It's these people. I want to be with these people. All right. But that's that's the thing, is that, like, that was... Yeah, he that learns
1: was... to be committed to the cause he and learns is to... willing to die for it. Yeah. And then Rose saves him and stops him from dying.
0: no I mean that's that's exactly that's exactly right like you know this whole thing where he he learns to be committed to the cause and he will he will die for them but that happens in the second film I Mm. uh, um it it should have happened much later than that I believe if you wanted to really branch it out and you know what that I remember when I first saw Last Jedi the first thing I thought of when I came (laughs) out of the cinema was was it just me or did that feel like what episode three of a trilogy should be so much stuff was wrapped up as if you weren't even going to make a third one. Yeah, like like Kylo Ren, what flat out in the second film says uh, the resistance is dead, the war is over, and stuff like that. I'm like, well, 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 wait, you still got another, you still got another movie to make. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: but anyway, getting back to what, like, you know, the crux of what he was talking about. Yes. I, I, yeah, we do really have to agree with him. And, you know, regardless of whether or not, like, okay, like, he definitely saw it as a, uh, a thing where many of the castmates of, uh, of, of color, the non-white cast members, were uh, pushed aside. Regardless of whether it's that or just the way that the characters were treated, the characters, the way that the characters were treated is just... It's, it's, it's just not acceptable for characters that you introduce to be really um, driving forces in your yeah. first film and then sort of have them pushed to the side because admittedly, you do want to build up the relationship between your two key characters, Rey and Kylo, but at the same time, those characters matter just as much. Like you were talking about with the original trilogy, Luke is the main character. He's the hero, whatever. But, it's, I, it's, it's, but, dare, but dare I say, er, um, at no... Yeah, dare I say, uh, Luke's story in any of the three films... Might not even be my favorite part of those films. My favorite part of Empire is uh, what's happening on the Falcon and what's happening with, um, yeah. with, with uh, honestly Vader and the Star Destroyer. Luke being trained by Yoda is is awesome, but Luke as a character is 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 great. But at the same time, there was so much more interesting stuff about Han and Leia and how their relationship slowly develops. Um, y- you could have done that really really well with with, uh, with um you know Finn and Poe. Take take Finn and Poe like. How about, like, you know, if you put them on the the, the side mission in The Last Jedi, you have that, you have, uh, not to sideline Rose, but um, you have so much opportunity to take the two characters that you had already uh, mm. built up in Force Awakens and um, have them interact with each other and see what, what um, that takes their characters into.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, we see in Last Jedi... Sorry, not Last... Uh, Rise of Skywalker, with, the, like, the three of them interacting and, like, being the whole, like, uh, dynamic that's, like, emulating the idea of the three in the original trilogy. Yeah. However, that's the first time they're ever all together. I know. Like, it's P- Finn and Poe... Uh, No, sorry. Poe and Rey only meet for the first time at the end of Last Jedi. Which and, also... Like, they built doesn't, up this whole bar and everything.
0: Which also doesn't make sense because I get uh, because and you'll see this when we do Force Awakens the next time uh, for our next installment of the retrospective. um There's yeah. there's a there's a, there's a uh, wide shot in Force Awakens where BB-8 rolls over to the huge map that R2D2 has projected. He puts in the last piece. I kid you not. Ray and Poe are standing like a meter from each other. Um, yeah. And and they and apparently they only met in the Last Jedi. Uh, at the end of the last jedi like I just don't you think avoided. they would have? don't you think they would have crossed paths at some point when they were yeah, on that base it's
1: yeah it's just i don't know it's very strange so like they they like want to have that dynamic by the third one but it just hasn't been earned like either in just the way that like the characters just haven't built up the uh the the connections that they should have like before we get the buddy like friendship of luke Han, and Leia, we get a new hope in which they're all yelling at each other and hate each other. I know when they're breaking out of the Death Star. So you know we're missing that. Um,
0: exactly. Uh- an interesting
1: thing I think that John Baeger brought up with was talking about the idea of like Disney specifically as the company and like marketing him as a black character. Like, yes, you say it's may, may not may, may not be that they're people of color or that that they're just the character's been sidelined. But the thing about it, like, especially with like Last Jedi. The main cast you have, you've got like Ray and Kylo who are like there, and and Finn who, who are like all big central guns, and then you've got like Finn and Rose who are like they they are like uh a di- like diversity in terms of like yeah, the range uh, of characters a, they've got yeah. in the film a black um, a, a black and male especially lead especially in Asian Force Therapy. Awakens Finn was heavily pushed in the marketing like to show like that this is like. The first, like, Black Stormtrooper, like, a black lead in this film, which was, like, a big push of the marketing.
0: He's literally uh, the first image you have of this yeah. entire sequel trilogy, that very, very, very first Force Awakens teaser trailer that was released in, like, 2014. The very first thing you see is Finn's head popping up on, ja- on in the Jakku desert. Like, he's yeah. literally the first thing we ever got of the sequel trilogy.
1: And, and like, and so in a marketing sense, like, they want to, like like, play into that to, like, allowed to, uh, to, like, you know, to have this idea of, like, diversity to, like, get people to come in because they're, like, interested in seeing, like, a new take on, like, Star Wars with, like, from a new perspective point of view. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it, like, it hits it on the head, like, to use him or, like, to use yeah, like Finn or like Rose in that marketing to like do that, and then to just like pull under the rug and just be like, well, actually, the main character is is these guys again. It's it's really disingenuous, and it really especially is. Especially evident. It's like because it it's especially evident. Similar what we were talking about, like the way that they added out the the kiss uh, in False Away in Rise of Skywalker between the two uh, female characters in the background. Yeah. Uh, it's similarly in the way which on the American or like the North American or like the like Western trailers for uh so uh posters for force awakens like finn is pretty equally similar in size to most other characters on screen uh um big on there but then if you look to like the chinese um posters or like other things like that they edited it down completely and like completely high like take away any aspect of that it's just (laughs) <laughs> it's what it is. It's corporatism. It's like, oh, this will make money if we make it seem like we've got a diverse Star Wars film. So, like, put them up there. Make it be like, yes, this is Finn. It's great. And then anytime it's no longer profitable to them or it's not what they want to do, they just, like, completely use them. So, I yeah. can understand 100% the criticism against this in this case because it was... Yeah. yeah, it Look, was I, pretty, I, pretty rough.
0: On, on some level, on a very minute uh, level, I can understand why they need to do that sort of editing out stuff because it's just like, you know, other countries have different laws, stuff like that. But at the same time, you're absolutely right in that some yeah. er- some areas in which they've uh, approached the need to do that. Does feel very disingenuous. And He's like, you know, still
1: on. Like it, This isn't. This isn't even just the case of like. Oh, it's illegal in that place. He's I on know, the post. Yeah. They just edit him down to be small because that's not what they think will sell. Like, oh, we don't. We don't want to have it. Like it. Seem like there's a black character and this film is a main character. They won't want to watch the film like that. That's just
0: yeah that's terrible it's it's just not the right way to do things it's not the right way to go about this you know if you have this idea that has been prevalent from 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 episode seven you know movie number one you know they they were just pushing pushing for a okay this is a very um diverse um you know 20 uh 21st century take on star wars um and they sort of just like in a lot of ways, I f- it, it does feel like they sort of like went halfway and sort of just like okay, now we'll just it's it's it needs to be acceptable in this regard, which is just it, you're right, it's just not yeah. on.
1: And um, I, I think it, we've got a problem if films are instead trying to pander to what is like socially acceptable at the time, or or like what they think will get them the most money, like that as an idea is just be- like. Not a good way of doing films. films should be pioneers. They should be showing new ideas, like getting things out there to like that people might not have experienced before or might might not have known as much as like prevalent. like that's why diversity in like films is such a good thing because we just don't get this like representation like this as regularly as we should, and like so it affects the way people think like. If people don't experience like having black leads or like homosexual characters or that, then it's not going to seem like a, a like a, a normal part of their lives, and so they'll act like it's an other, like it's it's different yeah. to them. And people like act af- like with fear for things they don't know. And the only way we can like stop this like bigotry, homophobia, racism, any of that stuff, is through like acceptance and through uh, ex- like people experiencing like a these uh the mainstreamification of these like diverse characters in the films and so i think if films instead try to cater to what's already accepted instead of pioneering something new and something uh more yeah more diverse more modern at times then Mm -hmm. that's just i think that's just a failing of the film or the film industry itself
0: yeah look I i got to agree and you know that sort of thing that they were look it's it's They were really pushing for it from day number one, like we were just talking about. This idea that, okay, this is a very diverse take on Star Wars, the whole Forces female movement that was introduced, like, you know, uh, as of uh, Force Awakens release and stuff like that. And based on the introduction of, you know, having Rey as the main character, stuff like that, that's definitely there. But at the same time, you're forging yourself a double edged sword because you're saying that you're diverse in that way, but you're also pushing aside the characters who would best help you to push that idea, like mm. your, your like your main African-American lead, your main Latino lead, your main female Asian character. Your Stuff main like-
1: African-American and Latino lead who have great chemistry and definitely had <laughs> something going on between them.
0: I know. I mean, I mean, and it's sort of, you know, that sort of actually is, um, you know advanced on in the rest of this interview because Boyega continued on by saying that he felt his fellow non-white cast members suffered the same fate. Like, you know, uh, um, uh, Oscar Isaac and um, uh, Kelly Marie Tran, what have you. Um, I mean,
1: it's just so evident with Rose in... Oh, yeah, having been heavily...
0: Having been heavily sidelined to make way for a concentration on Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver's characters. Hardly
1: in that film. And like anytime she's in it, it's like to mention like a single line or basically just to like talk about like where's Finn or like think about Finn. Yeah. It's such a massive change. Especially how like there was a whole arc to do with her. In like Rise in like Return of the Jedi. She was a fully fledged character, a main part of that film, and then she was like a smaller character than Admiral Akbar was in like Return of the Jedi or whatever.
0: I know. Well that's um and you know, Boyega says that by saying they gave all the nuance to Adam Driver, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest, Daisy knows this, Adam knows this, everybody knows. I'm not exposing anything. Now, you can sort of take that on a very like, you know, if you were to look at that without context and Make it and make it seem like he's almost butthurt hurt that Adam Driver and Daisy really got the limelight. That's I don't think that's at all is what's happening here because he says Daisy knows this, Adam knows this. So clearly they have had I feel like they would have had discussions about this, you know, uh, as 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 a cast behind closed doors. Um, uh, yeah, and. They clearly all share a similar viewpoint. And like we were just saying, it's it can't be ignored because it's exactly what happened. And Vogue um, offered up his own interpretation of how he feels Luke's film would like him and his castmates to perceive the harsh reality by asking, uh, so what do you want me to say? What they want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. No, no, no. I'll take that deal when it's a great experience. Um, so yeah, I mean, like he's really just... <laughs> and rightfully so in a lot of ways mm. letting letting them have it because he's sort of you know, uh, letting us have a a peek behind that closed door, saying yeah. that, but saying that Lucasfilm would just like them to say, "I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience." And John Boyega is really just saying, "Look, I honestly can't say that if I didn't think it was a great experience." And he clearly doesn't yeah. think it was a good experience, and he's just being brutally honest. And I really <laughs> got to commend him for that.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like John Boyega is his own person. Like once he's no longer like being paid for them to like promote the film, or whatever, he can say whatever he wants. And that, and, and that's the thing. Like John Boyega has always been like like in the way he's like through interviews like this isn't the first time he's been critical of the sequel trilogy like nope he yeah he has opinions on how things go and that's perfectly fine and sometimes like i disagree with him in terms of like his opinions on where the film goes uh in terms of maybe some of his opinions on last jedi and a lot of the time i agree with him but like that's the thing it's perfectly fine for him to have these opinions and if anyone is able to have his these opinions on whether or not they like the, these types of characters with sidelined in the, the sequel trilogy or whatever. It's him. He worked on the films. And so I think the people, cause I, I did see there was a little bit of a response of like people being like mad at him for saying stuff like that, which is just kind of ridiculous, but yeah. you
0: know, no, because you can't get mad at someone who's just expressing their opinion. And that's exactly what's happening here. He's sharing. Right, his... Yeah.
1: I mean, if their opinion is like hurting people, then like, yeah, but like, this is not, this well, yeah, is just showing right. grievance <laughs> with a company, uh, a big corp company that used, hi- like used the, the like the uh, image of being like diverse having a main character like that and then just like kind of put him under the rug and he's up, uh, explainably like uh, yeah like visibly like he's upset by it because it's it was a ba- it was a it was a terrible thing to do like it's not a great not a great look
0: yeah and uh, he lastly basically talks about. Uh... He he essentially offered up his own viewpoint on how he feels his experience with the making of these films was impacted due to his race, saying that I'm the only cast member who had their own unique experience of that franchise based on their race. Let's just leave it like that. It makes you angry with a process like that. It makes you much more militant. It changes you, and that's the thing that I, that really you know almost puts an icy dagger through my heart. Is that when you watch those Force Awaken Force Awakens press junkets for um John Boyega is like. Alive, He is, like, the most excited, like, Mm. person you could ever want to be a part of these, like, you know, just go back and watch, like, a compilation of The Force Awakens press junkets uh, of of John Boyega, because he's having a great time. You can tell he's, like, a huge, like us, a huge, huge fan of Star Wars. He, like, uh, like, you know, he he has openly talked about the fact that he was, like, at the, on the verge of tears, or basically he did cry when when J.J. Abrams caught him and said, okay, you're going to be in Star Wars. And to find out through this interview, that he was treated the way he was, and the fact that, like he said, it makes you much more militant, it changes you, is not only very um, uh, evident in the way he speaks, but it's just really uh, uh, a bummer that someone could be so enthralled to be a part of something, and it could just, you know, bring you down like this. It's not a nice Mm. thing to hear, and I do honestly feel really bad for John Boyega that he had to have this sort of experience and it wasn't fun for him, but... um, you know, it comes as no surprise that John Boyega has no qualm with speaking out publicly about his thoughts on his own treatment in the films, as he should not have. Uh, qualm whatsoever with it um you know he's since talked publicly publicly on social media uh as well as in interviews about many of the decisions throughout this throughout the making of the new trilogy that he wasn't happy with like we were talking about at the top of the story um you know boyega showed himself to be a strong driving force in this ever-changing equality landscape after he became a leading voice in the london black lives matter rallies earlier in june like it's it's very much there in the john boyega that he projects uh onto the public and that's not a bad yeah. thing at all um, a
1: like this is an issue he cares deeply about yeah
0: uh that's it's something that i um really got to commend him for is that he's at the, like you know he was a guy who did three films for one of the biggest conglomerates in the entire world but at the same time he's he he is he's a he's a guy just like us who has has just as much right to express his very uh poignant opinion as as anyone and as matter as and a matter such as the one discussed above has always been a prevalent factor in the discussion across social media since the cessation of the year sequel trilogy. But hearing the inside viewpoint directly from Baega himself, it, it really opens up an entirely new viewpoint for the cast members themselves and how they clearly feel they were mistreated throughout the making of the most recent films. And mm-hmm. like, I guess we could sort of... We're going to get into it eventually with our retrospective, and we've talked about it just quickly. Um, the sequel trilogy as movies, if you're looking at them as movies that were released in cinemas, look, I th- uh, look, I, I, I like them. I'll say I like them. Um, but at the same time, yeah. you can't ignore what was going on behind the scenes, and what was going on behind the scenes really just wasn't fair.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, look, I, that's the thing... We're generally, we would generally be bigger, like bigger proponents of the sequel trilogy than like a lot of Star Wars fans you would see online. But like, even we have problems with them. However, we could acknowledge the difference between problems that we have with plot or like way or like choices made in the film and then problems made. Yeah. Problems made behind the scenes or just like kind of, you know, shitty things done by Lucasfilm, like behind the scenes. Like, there are.
0: They're completely yeah. two different things. Hey, look, The Shining is one of my favorite movies ever, but you can't condone what Stanley Kubrick did to Shelley Duvall on that set. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very exactly. weird and obscure analogy, Jack.
1: Um, no, it makes sense. it's like that's the thing. Like, I think you need to you need to know. Yeah, you need to know that there's like like there's art which is like you can like understand and like enjoy and criticize as art. But like a lot of the time, like especially <laughs> going into here, but especially because we're in like a capitalist society art is a product that is sold by a company and corporations and corporations tend to do terrible things. And like, yes, this, like Disney's not like, there are a lot of worse things. I think you could counter Disney on like in terms of like their antagonistic to unions or over, over pay, like underpaying like animators or things like that compared to, um, maybe their sidelining of, of like the actors of color. But like, this is like just a side thing that they do. It's, yeah, it, yeah, and it, it's 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 right to call it out because yeah, it can't,
0: it can't be ignored. It can't be ignored.
1: Yeah, you um, you wanna you wanna celebrate it when it's done well and like and encourage it more. And like th- I think especially the way that Rise of Skywalker after the reception of Last Jedi pretty much sidelined Rose and like and Finn main characters and all that as a response to a kind of backlash from Last Jedi. That type of thing you just don't want to encourage. Like you don't <laughs> you don't want to encourage. Uh, people being horrible to the actors, and then just them being removed or, or like ha- like hardly featured in the second film after that. Like the way that they treated Rose after, especially after everything she received online, is such a horrible thing to have done by like, yeah. Lucasfilm.
0: Um, yeah. And that's also actually very prevalent in the way that you see Kelly Marie Tran, uh, you know, um, you know, articulate herself in the rise of Skywalker junkets. Like she clearly isn't happy either. Um, except it's just John Boyega has, um, made this platform for himself where he has been a lot more outspoken than some of the others because, and that's what's something that I got, that I love about John Boyega just as a person. Like he seems like a really awesome guy that I'd love to talk to about this kind of thing. He really just says, Um, what needs to be said and has no shame in doing that. And that's why I um, really um, commend what he's doing. But um, yeah, that's that story, Michael. And um, I think that, you know, personally, I think that we took that uh, story that could have, that has a a, a very... how to say uh like you know complex viewpoint to uh have to articulate and um well, yeah. i think I, I think we've said what we wanted to say
1: <laughs> yeah well that's the thing we've only got our perspective to do this which is yeah. two um white like t- male australians or whatever so <laughs> i mean there's only so much like we can do but like that's the thing i think the way to do it is to listen yeah i think the way to do it is to listen to people of color like john boyega and to like like promote their voices like as we we're just like showing his opinions but then also like showing our opinion like yeah this is a problem and this is something that I think is is a focus that's just society should be focusing on the future and we're seeing how much of like the like race-related issues and the mistreatment of black people like in America right now has been like crazy in history so yeah. and like in places like London with John Boyega doing activism and so I think I think yeah like John like John Boyega's is a voice to listen to in the future so
0: yeah Um, and I think that's a very good way to wrap up that story there, um, uh... Yeah, and uh, that basically wraps up this week's uh, Star Wars news for for the week, mm. which brings us to our main discussion. We're going to get into a bit of a, um, a, a a lighter tone here, which is going to be fun. Um, going to
1: a fun film now?
0: Yes, uh, we're going to give you guys our next instalment in our Star Wars Skywalker Saga retrospective, uh, which brings us to the final instalment in the original trilogy, Return of the Jedi. We have watched that. Mm. We have watched this film um, last night, and we are ready to um, just. Just talk about it. Have a good time talking about it. Um, yeah, Michael, I I do love Return of the Jedi.
1: Such a good film. Such uh, like yeah. I mean, going back like through all three of these original trilogy films, you just you 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 find out again why they're so loved and why they're so held up in such high regard. Yeah. They're just there's just something about them that just whether like it's the original, which is just so inspiring and so creative and the universe, tales with the characters, so enjoyable uh, empire strikes back, which is just such a, a thrilling story with like really creative and powerful characters and, and interesting themes. And then this film is just so much fun and such a grand adventure and just like a, a perfect send off to a franchise and, and a trilogy. And that's, I that's think thing, I, I can't it, wait to get into it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's you know, it's sort of um, something that has been you know prevalent since eighty three when it came out. Is that it is viewed as the not not the worst, but the least good of the trilogy. Yeah. And the like, one that and the and the one that yeah. I guess is sort of just there. But at the same time, like you were just talking about, Michael, I fun. Fun is the best way to describe this movie. I have <laughs> yeah, every, time exactly. I, every time I watch return of the Jedi, I have so much fun. And that's why look, return of the Jedi is not my favorite of the, of the original trilogy, but we were actually talking about this at the top of the show before we started recording. Um, yep. if I have to watch a, a, a star Wars movie just because like, if I'm like just laid back one afternoon and you know what? Uh, and I, say, you know what, I feel like watching Star Wars. I'm probably gonna put on Return of the Jedi because I find it so enjoyable. It's such a nice ride. The characters come all back together for a big portion of this film which you didn't get to see in Empire. And that's something mm. that they do really well. Um and I guess you could sort of get into the in into the opening of the film, you notice from second number one that uh, they got a new Death Star. And um basically <laughs> like Death Star Death Star yeah, number I think two. That
1: th- this film opens up on, on Death Star above Endor. Yeah. I
0: um, it's also very interesting because it basically, it, uh, the opening shot of the film mirrors that of a new hope because you've got the, the you got the Star yep. Destroyer, um, you know, passing overhead and, a, and a planet below you. And, uh, basically, you know, in that opening scene in a new, in a new hope, you had one of uh, Tatooine's moons off to like the left, but now it's replaced by the Death Star. So it's all these cool, like mirroring images that, are it's a real, um, uh, what's the word? Um it's a nice way of a, uh, culminating the trilogy you're about to finish by tying hmm. it back into to movie number one. Um, but I guess that would maybe be like one of the very few gripes that I have with Return of the Jedi is that when they were writing it, I guess all they thought of was let's just make another Death Star.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, there's definitely an element of repeating itself, and I think it becomes more of, like, a problem with, like, Force Awakens, and we just think, oh, there's, like, three different Death Stars, like, how many super weapons are there? And I've seen that criticism. Although, I think with Return of the Jedi, it can kind of get away with it, as it's it's this idea of, like, the Empire is kind of old and antiquated, like, they, they are their way of dealing with people is just through suppression and through, like, oppression and, and fear. And I think that is epitomized by they build another death star. Like, they like the last one was blown up because people rebelled. People resisted against the oppression of the Empire. And the only way they can think to, to deal with people uprising and people, like, saying, hey, don't oppress us is through more oppression yeah and um like i don't want to i don't want to take any like real world uh like counter examples but that's the thing like these type of like dictatorial states or like that they they they, because they're built on being authoritarian the only know they wait the only way they know how to deal with things is through more authoritarianism and so in a like plot sense you think oh yeah why would they build a second death star i think you could definitely get a um. A thematic element to it of like showing like the the antiquated way of dealing with a uh, uh, resistance in the empire of like of a uh, and especially of the Emperor's overconfidence and arrogance of like, oh yeah, you blew up the last one? Well, we'll build another one to trap you in here. So, you know.
0: Yeah. And you know, I've, uh, you know, I've seen funny, Foster like I think it was- a on... giant
1: massive target in space, but yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I've sort of seen the re- the uh, Return of the Jedi, how it should have ended and the Emperor's like, yeah. okay, I'm only going to say this once. Are there any exhaust ports that they directly to the shield generator on this new Death Star? Because that was a huge error last time, and I do not want it blown up again by some lucky torpedo. (laughs) And then the guy just comes over and he's just like, "Uh, no, sir, no exhaust ports this time. Completely new design. Excellent. Yes. This time there is an even larger opening so large an entire ship could fit through um, first of all the Death Star wasn't finished yeah. that's why there's such a big hole um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not like they made it so like okay we're gonna have huge like industrial like exhaust ports on this new Death Star so that in the, so that the Millennium freaking Falcon can fly right to the center no the Death Star wasn't finished yet that's why they can fly yeah. through it
1: Um, I, I think with like how it should have ended or whatever they like it, it like puts it off as like oh this is the way the film should have done but it's more just like little funnels, little jabs it's, it's, it's having, it's having fun
0: taking jokes which I think it's more of a jab
1: plot. at, like, the fans at the way they're like, oh, like, this is the, way did it do that? Like, yeah. the kind of, like, uh, the way that, like, f- fans of Star Wars tend to, like, overanalyze plot things and be like, well, if, it, if they were actually smart, they would have done this. Yeah. You know? um, it's, and, it's always uh... been a lot of fun.
0: And something that you get in sec in scene number one is uh, well, first of all, you get to see Vader again, and that and yep. that, and that uh, walk that he does right off of the shuttle when the Imperial March like rolls right in. Obviously, we mm. weren't there in eighty three, but imagine just like the 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 shuddering awesome feeling that you would have gotten to see Vader again after a three year hiatus. And something yep. that was also really good is when he's talking to um the the, the commander, uh, and he's sort of just like um uh, what he, what does he say? He says uh like. The Emperor's coming here and he's like visibly terrified. Um, yeah. And that is something that they did so well is because you had never seen the emperor in uh real life, you know, other than a transmission up to this point in the trilogy. And uh, it just builds up the idea that you should be afraid of this man who is coming. And that's, um that's something that they did really well from, from second number one. And that transitions into what basically takes up a big chunk of the first act, which is Jabba's palace. Um, now, I, yeah. now, I can understand why people may think that this is their least favorite of the and, uh, of the original trilogy, because I mm. will be the first to say that when you get to Jabba's palace, the film does slow down. The film does yeah, slow down, it, and it becomes a very and it becomes a, uh, a kind of a slow burn to the point where uh, I can visibly, I can vividly remember being a kid watching *Return of the Jedi* and being bored because they were still in Jabba's palace. But then again, I was yeah. I was like five, six years old. Of course, I'm gonna I think be bored. But
1: it, this, *Return of the Jedi* can kind of be split up into three whole like real separate parts in kind of a bad way like in terms of less in the way of like oh it's like ghost different parts but, like in it's something like a new hope might be split into like Tatooine uh, Death Star final act like this is the parts with Jabba's palace do feel really different to the parts on Endor with the Ewoks which do feel quite different to the parts with like the final battle but and so in a overall film you could maybe make that criticism but in terms of just the Jabba's palace scene or section itself I really enjoy I think oh no Jabba, I enjoy it. I enjoy it yeah I,
0: like, like, sorry I might have made it seem like no I no no, like no it.
1: I don't I'm not saying you don't enjoy it but like yeah. I, and I can understand the criticism where it's slower but also that might just be a, like a preference in terms of the way I tend to enjoy films I do enjoy films which are like a, a, a tend to be a bit slower or like take their take their time to like l- like Explore more into things as we were talking about last week and the opening to Jabba's Palace, like later on when when they're all like fighting, whatever, it gets all action packed. But yeah. the opening to Jabba's Palace, with the, the way that the first um, see Therapy and R2Ds you come in, and then the uh, Chewie and Leia, and then um, Luke comes in, like it, it takes its time. There is a significant amount of time before like action like of some sort shows up with like Luke finding the rank or whatever. Yeah. No, like-
0: I, I, I would say just, yeah, again, to clarify, I do really enjoy <laughs> the Jabba's palace sequence. It's just that I was saying that, yeah, um, no, I can be- understand. because, because it is a welcomed slower burn than what you would have gotten in empire when it just takes off from scene number one with the Wampa. Um, you know for you know the, the general consensus you can maybe understand why people are just like you know what maybe let's watch the other two because whether it's in A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back they take off from second number one in Return of the Jedi they take their time to build what's happening and I do really appreciate the fact that they did that um, and like you said the entire sequence where you know uh, you know C-3PO and R2D2 make their way in and then Leia disguised as Bausch comes in with Chewie and then finally Luke it is really well constructed and what you were saying with the three main settings Return of the Jedi does exactly what you should be doing with a film um, or like you know a sci-fi film like this one a sci-fi fantasy film uh, Mm. splitting your three discernible acts by um, you know Um, you know, changing the setting, changing the setting very um, noticeably so that you can sort of split it up into three segments, which is what a film uh, should should do in a lot of ways. And in a lot of ways, that structure, if you're talking about the structure of the film itself, it works. I think it really does work. And that slow burn that you get at the start is... Um, you know like you said it happens in a lot of films like we just mentioned it before when I made that weird analogy The Shining is one of my favourite films and yet that's one of the slowest burns in cinema history Alien Mm. one of my favourite sci-fi films and it's so quiet and um, you know uh, uh, tense for a lot of that movie where not a lot of action-packed stuff is happening and they really uh, exemplify that in this first act where you get to see Jabba and that's also another thing we can get into this now
1: Uh, the puppetry for Jabba the Hutt awesome oh so good Jabba is such a fun part of this film I, I know like i am a very big fan of puppetry and like special effects in film like yeah like the dark crystal which is like all puppets is one of my favorite films and like yoda is so good in both this and the last film but Jabba is just on another level like the size of him they had to have, like four people or whatever people. inside him four like moving people. around him yeah just the feel of him and how and like his personality is great like you just can't capture it with... Or, like, they haven't been able to capture it with the three or so attempts of CGI they've done with Jabba. And, or, like, in Clone Wars, like, he's all right. But it's just... It doesn't capture the, the, the same realistic feel, but also, like, very clearly knowing that he's a puppet... It's it, there's a there's a tonal like quality to like it, the Jabba puppet in this film that is just so much fun to watch. It's brilliant. I, I and, love uh, Jabba in this film so much. He he
0: he's great. He's vile, and you love to hate him. But oh, that's it's but, great. but that's why he's brilliant. And uh, you're right. It did take four people to uh, control, one of whom Carrie Fisher nearly killed. Do you know Ooh. this? Um, uh, I ba- think I've heard it. Yeah. yeah ba- basically, what happened is uh, obviously the scene where uh, Leia, um, you know. Kills Jabba, strangles him. Yep. Um, there was at one point where she, where he just like, where Carrie Fisher like jumped over him to get to his back, and uh, she like got the guy on the head or something like that, and he got like mm. he wasn't like seriously injured, but apparently he was just like cut, cut, cut. She's, <laughs> uh, which is which is kind of weird. Um, yeah. So you just you know,
1: hear someone speaking from inside Jabba, going, "Help me." <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so that's crazy. Yeah, and also I... uh,
0: n- another character yeah. another group of characters uh that we mentioned from our very first episode uh jedi rocks max rebo and the yes, band yes max rebo's best salacious from everyone the
1: entire job is uh the entire jabba's palace i think with like the set of aliens and characters in the background it's so much fun so full it is... i'd be really interested i i really want to watch return of the jedi Pre special edition because well, I don't think I've watched it because I did. Gosh, I... it is so. Do, wait for this rewatch. Did you watch pre special edition? Yeah, I did because of the fact I'm that I... envious. I, I should have done it because this... I. I, all I, the... I, the... I, the I will. Um... stands out so badly. I.
0: I will. I. Uh, will. Drive over to you, Michael, and I will give you my my, my um, limited edition theatrical <laughs> yeah. version to watch because it's... We'll I, have to
1: watch it sometime, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, because, listen, uh, because they are... Um, look, George Lucas actually caught a bit of flack for when he did release those because of the fact that they are the original theatrical editions, yes, but because they are in standard definition, uh, because they are in the different um aspect ratios from the 80s yep. and stuff like that, they don't appear as a full... They don't take up the whole screen on like an HDTV. They, right. they basically appear as, like, a little box right in the middle. So it is mm. a little bit annoying that they... You Basically, you have to be watching it on a, st- on a standard definition AV TV to get the entire screen filled up. Right. But because I wanted to watch their theatrical version so bad, I didn't really mind. Um, and I did see a lot of the original puppetry that takes place, and it is a lot of fun to watch because... First of all, there were many uh, alien introductions that happened purely in this one scene. The first introduction of the Quarren in this scene, yeah, exactly, um, which is which is which is awesome. And like you would, t-
1: all right, I have to ask you: Yes, is Jedi Rocks in the original?
0: Yes, but it's so they,
1: the the, the song is in it.
0: No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. The uh, a monkey head, a monkey head. Okay, that is not in it. It's, okay, it's, it's, it's an entirely different song. But um, uh, Snoodles... Noodles. The, uh, the, you know, the <laughs> size noodles, it's a funny name, uh, yeah. um, who, uh, you know, shows yes. up as the, like the main, as like, I don't know who the, um, uh, what, what's uh, the, the front girl front uh, of, the, singer, of the band, yeah, yeah the, the singer, um, she's a puppet, she's a puppet in the originals instead of being CGI. Um, yeah, okay. you can, you, you can look it up. I'm sure you'd be able to find it. Uh, uh, just, yeah. Like, you know, I'm looking it up now Re- return of the Jedi theatrical version size noodles. Um, I'm sure mm. it's there. Uh, and but yeah, so it's there, but it's not the weird, you know, uh, bad CGI version that we get in the now. Oh, that's in,
1: the thing. In for like in uh, as we've done, we've done an episode on Phantom Menace, and yeah, it's not it's not great. However, it, it's it's so much worse than this. Like this is the worst I've think I've seen <laughs> in the Star Wars universe of CGI. The animation is just so janky. The physics, they like there there are times where they're like floating up and down. However they did this, they just weren't ready. In they the, they were the, not. In the special editions yeah. or in the uh the yeah, the, the one we have now, the CGI I, I yeah, special edition version. It just it does not work. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, like, uh, actually, it actually sort of stands out in the theatrical version as well. For most part, they were very, very groundbreaking with CGI in the original trilogy from the moment A New Hope came out. But there are some segments yeah. when I was watching the Return of the Je- Jedi theatrical where there was where I was just like, you know what? this CGI did sort of step down in this movie, but at the same time, it's good. It's definitely good, but there's, it's just a little bit more noticeable is all I'm saying. Um, which is, which is odd. Yeah. You know, at the same time, look, I still love it. I still absolutely love it, but it's just more noticeable. And I guess I have to critique it for that. Um, but Mm. I guess moving on in the, uh, in the Jabba's palace sequence, uh, when Leia and Chewie pop in and stuff like that, that's awesome. And, uh, uh, I'm thinking of a, of a way to go next. Is um, well, you can sort of go no other way than uh, looking at uh, Carrie Fisher in a uh, a new a new outfit. Um, <laughs> oh yeah that was, that was interesting <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that that was interesting that sort of uh like oh yeah she's a very um you know uh, strong female lead in the original trilogy, but you know at the same time we're gonna make her wear a gold yeah. bikini um,
1: George George has his interesting uh, t- uh tastes I don't know look to be <laughs> hey, fair she stop- does she just killed Jabba. I look, I don't want I don't want to go into it No, no, no. I know, just, I know. She just killed Jabba, so she's still pretty pretty badass in this film, but like yeah. No, no, no. She is absolutely. It's, she's uh, awesome. It's it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting.
0: It's only like 10 minutes of of she only has to be in this for like 10 minutes and it's it, it's a very mm-hmm. small part of the film, but that people just make into a much bigger part of the film <laughs> over the last like what was it? 30 years. Um and uh yeah but anyway once Luke shows up oh my god because because um oh yeah Luke's
1: so cool in this opening part
0: and this is something that I honestly would have loved to see more of with a character like Rey in the sequel trilogy because the template was clearly here you show him as this naive guy who's training to become a Jedi in Empire Strikes Back but in this uh scene in Return of the Jedi you're just like Wow! Like he has really taken the time to,
1: yeah. um,
0: to 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 master himself. Not really master, because he's not like a yeah. he's not officially a Jedi yet, according to Yoda. But that's
1: the thing. Well, they talk about they say he's pretty much he is ready to be a Jedi. Yeah. Aside from the fact he needs to face Vader. Like once he's done that, he will be a full Jedi. So he would he would probably be like the level of Anakin in, uh, Return of the Jet like Revenge of the Sith like like. Like Jedi Knight level, he is Jedi Knight level. Yeah. So well, because that's what
0: I love is that you get this su- you get such a uh, a, uh, a stark contrast from that a uh, kid who had just like you know lost a terrible battle and found out the worst person in his life was his yeah. dad, and then in the first scene of him, you see him return of the Jedi. He's he he walks in majestically with this dark cloak and that weird mm-hmm. and that cool thing yeah. he does with his hands where he touches his fingertips to one another. It's just awesome. And when he takes off his cloak and he just commands the room like. I think that I honestly say that um, Luke in the original trilogy is at his best in Return of the Jedi. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah, and that's just it's it's great, and that yeah,
1: this this is really this really is Luke's film. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's that's clear with this. It's interesting though because in the original film time that this film came out, you wouldn't have seen like like there is a larger t- time gump, jump time jump than we would have gotten in uh like between like the sequel trilogy like there was a significant number of years between return of the jedi and empire strikes back um and so the last time that we saw luke he was like one he just lost a battle with darth vader but he would like had this whole like a uh, upheaval and like the way he views the the force like he just found out his father was like an evil person and he we come into this film having like had like an unknown time jump at the time having hadn't seen the film for ages uh, uh, Luke in a black cloak Mysterious looking Force choking the Gamorrean guards I know he appears to be a dark side user. I know. Well, As, that's that's uh, the
0: thing is that that's the and you know I was about to get into that. Thank you, Michael. Is like you know tonally, tonally Luke is noticeably different. He's wearing dark the entire film, and that's why is that yeah, like you know three
1: year time jump.
0: And that's why I love uh, not only the costume design in, in Return of the Jedi, but also the directing. Richard Marquand did a mag, I yeah. think, did a really great job with Return of the Jedi because, and we don't want to like you know jump right to the end uh, here, but <laughs> like you said, he's in dark the entire time, which means he's rest with this idea that he has this dark lineage that he can't let himself fall into and then by the time he refuses and says, no, I'm not going to join you, that that part of his cloak that's white on the inside is like folded over where you get to see the light within yeah. and it's got so much implications as to what his character <laughs> is like Seriously yeah. that's how good the directing is exactly. it goes all the that's way down really it goes all the way down to his clothes it's, yeah it's awesome but anyway jumping back to what we were just talking about that first scene that first fight with the uh, with the rancor. The Rancor is awesome. The, oh, stop mode, the, Rancor. the stop motion that they use is great.
1: So much better. That's the thing. When I first watched it, and like there are some parts where they have a giant like giant hand to grab Luke and, and like the teeth and stuff that's not quite. Yep. But most of it is stop motion. But I couldn't tell. Here's the thing. Most, no. stop, most stop motion has artifacts to it that kind of add to the charm of it, where you can tell like the the movement's not quite perfect, like there's a jittery nature to it. And this is hundred percent evident with like the AT-ATs in Empire. Yeah. Like there's an a, a, a artifact to their movement that you can just tell that it was mo- stop motion animated. When I first saw the Rancor, I knew it was stop motion, but it took me a second to be like, "Hang on a second, I'm not noticing these like artifacts that I normally can tell with stop motion." It was like there is such an improvement from that from Empire Strikes Back to the Rancor in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So well done.
0: Um, I'm so glad they didn't replace the Rancor in Special Edition. I'm so glad they kept it how it is. Oh, that would have been atrocious. That that would have been atrocious. Um, you know what? George Lucas originally wanted the Rancor to be life-size. And to have it be worked yeah, they were originally going to do it like a, have it a giant worked, puppet, basically. exactly, and to have it be worked by puppeteers inside the suit. But uh, they realised that it was maybe a little bit too much and maybe a bit too much over the budget. So uh, yep. we got we got what we got, and it looks awesome. That's good, but that brings us to the sail barge scene, which is basically the the part in the film where I remember. Like I said, where I, when I remember being like, okay, where are we going to get to the cool stuff? When I was really really young this is the part yeah. where I'd be like, hell yeah, let's go. Because yeah. this is also yeah. the first time you get to see a green lightsaber. Um, because that, because up until this point, especially in, uh, I mean, like, you know, if you're thinking back to the 70s and the 80s, a uh, lightsaber was either blue or red and now they're green, which is awesome. And that's why uh, one of the reasons why yeah. a green lightsaber has always been my favourite lightsaber colour. Um, it's a, it's, yeah. one of, it's and, the like, reason why like green is my
1: favourite colour Oh uh, yeah. And if you look behind the scenes there's like significance to the to the idea with the original lightsaber colors is it's like it's Luke's changing perspective on the way of the Force like he's more rash, he's more like quick thinking, very emotional, emotion led whatever like Anakin might have been in a, uh, in the prequel trilogy and by the time of return of the Jedi he's more peaceful, he's more similar to Yoda in the way he thinks about things. It's more compassionate, more more yeah, thoughtful and stuff. And and so I think definitely the change of lightsaber is indicative of that. Um, and you don't necessarily have to read it that way, but I think the way that you can read it that way is really interesting, and I like
0: yeah, that. Yeah, I'm actually, like, you know, the the idea of Luke having a green lightsaber was awesome, but it was actually originally blue. Did you know that? Because well not only oh, on I, yeah
1: they edited it after the fact didn't they yeah
0: yeah exactly. look the original poster that's still around everywhere today Luke is holding a blue lightsaber and that's still like you know everywhere in regards to the marketing for a turn of the Ge- the very first poster for a turn of the Jedi which and all it was was um was Luke's hands holding up a lightsaber like the original original one before any trailers came out anything it was blue yep. and then they changed it to green very um very uh very late and I believe the film's production but anyway um that's is great Boba Fett is sent out like a chump uh but- oh, <laughs> Boba Fett
1: such I know he just uh, like I love Boba Fett his design is great and and like in other things he's been shown to be really cool but like especially in this film he's such he goes out like a like a wimp like I know in, in Empire he's he doesn't do much in Empire but what he does like You know, you can you can get away with like him like kind of being shown to be competent like like, the way he does it, but he is so incompetent in this film. What Boba Fett where just like completely gets like smashed up. It's hilarious. Boba Fett, Boba Fett
0: where? And then he yeah (laughs) yeah, Uh, Ah! and then that weird scream he does, and he just tumbles to his death. Well, (laughs) Well, it's you know. There's
1: so many good sound effects in this film. Who knows? Maybe Vader. Maybe Boba Fett will show back up
0: in season two of Mandalorian. Who knows? Um
1: yeah, Vader noises are my favorite thing ever. I know. Like like we you know, you've got you've got you've got the what in 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 a new hope. Yeah. But you've got like there's like a bunch of like grunts like Argh! or whatever, like in, in this film, or just like different James L. Jones Vader noises. I love it so much. There's that, such good...
0: I think I know which one you're talking about. Is it when he gets kicked yep. down it's when he gets kicked down the stairs? When Luke kicks him and he like Backflips down the stairs.
1: He's like, oh, yeah. Ah! <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just his. like his grunt noises and are grunt, so good.
0: And that grunt that he makes right after Luke chops off his hand when he's like, ah! <laughs>
1: Yes, I mean none of them can come near to the classic and and perfect. What? But uh, they're all what? very good. Uh, but yeah. What? So
0: so anyway, let's get into uh once the sail barge scene is complete, there are two scenes that we could sort of talk about now. The first being we back on the Death Star with the empire with the Emperor arriving. Something that you would have hmm. never seen in the original trilogy up to this point. We're so used to seeing it that we maybe don't understand its significance. But if you look back, if if you've put yourself in the cinema in 1983, this was the first time that you got to see Vader bow before someone else. And this is when the emperor shows yeah. up and he just, and uh, you also, this is the first time you ever hear the emperor's theme and it is just bone chilling that, nah, nah, nah that, 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 you know, and then he just goes, he's yep. my friend. He's, he's just, he's, he's so deliciously evil that you just love to hate yep. him. But at the same time, you just love him because he's in McDermott. He's awesome. He's great. Um, and Very that's good. and that's why i love this scene and that cackling laugh that closes out the scene right after he says everything is proceeding as i have foreseen and then that echo it echoes throughout that entire army that they're walking through it's awesome but then uh this is yoda's last living scene in uh, the films chronologically. And the second. Uh, and basically his death scene for the original trilogy. It's it's just so brilliant. Yoda is awesome in this film. For the small part that uh, of which of it that he's in. Um, and he's just. I, again it doesn't even take that much uh, screen time. For Yoda to just be one of my favorite parts of this movie. Um, and. Just again, he the moment for the moment he's on screen, he's just hitting you with Yoda lines that are instantly quotable. Yep. We're hundred years old. You'll reach look as good. You will
1: not. Yeah, Yoda. I mean, like he says, he gets sick, but damn, does he age in between these two films? Like this, I, I, I said before, there's only like about a one or one, one and year. a bit year. One time year. Count. Yeah. One year. And but oh, he goes downhill fast. Like uh, yeah. Well, you know, but, he was
0: he was uh, I believe he was. Um. Yeah. Reaching 900 years old around the time of the Clone Wars, and he was basically hit. Yep. And he basically hit 900 uh, throughout the uh, gap <laughs> between like, Empire and Return of the yep. Jedi. I'm um, out.
1: I'm out. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's good though. Uh, but like, I love it also how he's like, he just wants to die. <laughs> he just wants to go. But like Luke just keeps like asking all these questions, and he just has to keep waking up and being like, uh Okay, uh, yes, here's the answer. All right, I'm going to go back to sleep. He, he oh, literally, okay. he, um.
0: he literally <laughs> makes, like, an eye... Like, he literally moves his eyes and then turns back over anyways. Yeah. It's like, oh, I just really want to die, kid. But okay, yeah. yes, yes. He just wants to
1: be on with the Force. He wants to go play uh play Force games with Obi-Wan and yeah. Qui-Gon.
0: But, but, <laughs> but no, like, like you know, if you want to think of it on a more, like, serious and emotional note, yeah. uh, the, the reason that I love this scene so much is... Especially in the Clone Wars and uh, and and Star Wars and the original uh, you know the prequels again thinking chronologically Yoda has been through so much he had to watch the order mm. that he uh, basically um, you know was in charge of uh, die he had lost so much to the point we had to become a an exiled um, being on this faraway uh, you know yep. swamp planet. The idea that he got to die so peacefully has always is always just so nice to yeah, see, and it's just one of my nice. favorite parts of Star Wars. Um, but that thing that you're, you're exactly that thing where you just like Master Yoda is Darth Vader my father, and he goes, yep. "Rest, rest I need. R- yes, <laughs> yes, rest." <laughs> just let
1: him let him rest, Luke. Come on, yeah.
0: Um, and that thing that he says right at the end before he passes, there is another. Skywalker, like again uh, if if you had never seen the uh the uh sorry if you were there in the cinemas you'd have been like wait wait what (laughs) um and that that leads us into uh obi-wan ghost obi-wan obi-wan um and uh that's one of my favorite this is actually one of my favorite parts of the film because for years before Last Jedi came out, the main one of the main uh, like you know nitty gritty like sorry nitpick critiques that people had was like, uh, why does the ghost have to sit down? on a log like at some point where he was just like yes luke it's very tiring being dead i'm just going to uh you know sit sit back for a minute here but uh, as but last jedi introduced the fact that they can interact with their surroundings but anyway um so yeah there's that and uh yeah it's interesting to see because this is when you get to see the revelation that leia is luke's sister um which you know what you get
1: the classic line of uh, why didn't you tell me later that uh, Luke was your father so Vader was my father and he says at the moment that Anakin turned to the dark side he ceased to exist so what I said was true from a certain point of view Obi-Wan, like talk it, about twisting the truth Wan Obi-Wan, oh Obi-Wan what a badass.
0: Obi-Wan is a massive troll in this, is it in this original oh, trilogy. Oh so good. I, like, and I stand so by, Obi-Wan too. I stand by the fact that Obi-Wan is my favourite character in Star Wars but at the same oh, time so he is a yeah. massive troll in everything he Says to Luke. Um, yep. Well, mostly, mostly he's yeah. very wise and a genius. But um, That's great. in Everyone's this great. in this point, even Yo- even Luke concedes that he's full of shit when he's like a certain point of view. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. what are you on about, mate? I know. And yeah. then the, exa- And then he just he continues to like you know just beat that cow when he's just like. Luke, you'll find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. I'm like, Obi-Wan, yep. just, okay, look, you win, you <laughs> win. Um, yeah.
1: yeah, my point of view. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's true. From his point of view, the Jedi the Sith are evil.
0: From my point of view, the Jedi are evil. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. And this brings us back to the rebel fleet. And this is something that you didn't get to see a lot of in the in Empire Strikes Back, which is why it's a very yep. welcomed homecoming. Yeah, is it's seeing, really only like is the, seeing the rebellion back together again as one wholesome unit, which also brings introduction to Admiral Akbar. Uh because Dude,
1: Admiral Akbar's so cool. He's he's the
0: best what else can you say about him he's just awesome and that's it uh so cool because um it's almost like this isn't something that you see him do in any other media that you see him in but that thing that he does every time he like finishes a sentence he like sucks in air when he's just like um when he's just like although the weapon systems on this are not so so much fun to voice act him
1: yeah. uh
0: i believe that the original voice actor for admiral akbar originally uh, uh, has recently passed away yeah, um, he did, he did. and he away. just left a really great he left us with one of my favorite characters in all of star wars and it's amazing mm-hmm. how he could make him such a, a a fan favorite in star wars and have him have like maybe like a, a couple minutes of dialogue in this film um yep but yeah it's it's brilliant and obviously this is when we get to see uh you know the basically the main crux of the film take off when our crew heads off on the mission to go to endor and deactivate the shield generator so that the rebellion so that rebellion can attack the death star um and i love this little exchange that you get between lando and han before they leave when he's just like i, I got your promise no, not a scratch <laughs> yeah uh, yeah he's
1: he's <laughs> clearly not ready to uh, part with a yeah you know the, what? the falcon even though all- he has to
0: I always, uh, found it curious that we never got a, um, a thing where, uh, Han reacted to the idea that Lando, uh, destroyed the, um, the satellite dish thing that's on the top of the Falcon because in that yep. part where they're going through the Death Star and he knocks it off and he's like, that yep. was, that was too close. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 like, I would have imagined what happened. Like, you know, once he set that, set the Falcon down on Endor and, uh, Han came over to him and was like, Hey, you're pirate. Good to see you what did you do? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah, they were
1: having too much fun partying, doing the dancing on on Endor with the Ewoks, with the the Lando's clapping. Have have you seen... uh, I absolutely
0: know what you're talking about. Yeah, let's the... That, that sort of uh, like awesome, but at the same time kind of cheesy thing that closes out the film where they're all sitting together yeah. and like smiling at the camera. And then Lando's yeah. just off to the side like, hey! And yeah, it's, just...
1: it's good. Lando Lando is so much fun. I love Lando. He,
0: no, Lando's great in this movie. He's great. Uh, yeah, and uh, they really do a good job of taking the guy who would have been very easy to uh, hate him because he because he, he does betray them in Empire, but then at the same yeah. time, they make him a main driving force in terms of the heroes in the movie. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so this leads us to Endor, Uh, the forest moon of Endor. First of all, we're going to talk about the speeder bike chase because the speeder bike Ah, chase is one of my favorite sequences in this movie. Uh, The so many good
1: parts of this film. So many. I don't know why it's held up that people like say it's the worst. Like. Sure, maybe the other ones are like uh, overall better in like in terms of quality and or like or like the the thematic elements to it or the originality, but there's just so many good elements of this film.
0: So many good elements because like there's that look, exactly. There are so many like different individual sequences in this film that'll just make you smile because of how fun they are. The interactiveness yeah. in this scene, uh, Luke saying you know jam their comic, send a switch. I'll take on that one. I'll take these two yep. jumping from speed to speeder. It's just so engaging, so much fun. It's uh, yeah. and that POV shot, which again goes back to Richard Mark amazing directing that like yep. first that um first person shooter thing where you can directly see that great yep. sense of speed that you get like it's it, like yeah. it's it's basically what you get in the uh, the pod race sequence in um phantom menace uh, yeah they, the, the, they just, the, uh... the setting for Endor is also fantastic set in oh, the, uh, great, yeah. filmed in the Redwoods of uh, southern california i believe it's a great great shooting spot um i i just i just i just love it and that scene yeah,
1: with the speeders like they did it by like uh like filming it and then just like speeding up the footage and it works really well but i just it think it leads into so much of this film is i think this film maybe original the original like uh star wars you could you could say otherwise but so many so much of the effects and like the behind the scenes like the the special effects elements add so much fun and flavor to this film yeah like you could you could do empire without like the star wars like uh elements to it or like have it maybe even be lower budget and like the main thematic characters and like and story parts of it would still be able to come through but return of the jedi so much of the feeling and love and like passion of return of the jedi comes through it's just it's like effects in the Star Wars universe and like the aliens in the background the costumes the lightsabers the the spaceships the the speeder bikes like so much of of what is so enjoyable about return of the jedi is from these parts of star wars that can only be a star wars film
0: i think as of 1983 when the trilogy was wrapped up i feel safe uh, i can safely say that i feel return of the jedi made star wars feel like a universe uh, Better than any of the... uh, Better than the two films. Something Something that it does really stand out for is that making it seem like this is a very, very, very vast galaxy with a thousand different species and that's what's really on display in this movie and that's why I love it. And speaking of one of the many species in the Star Wars universe. We have covered many points on this style, on this uh, podcast in our 15 episodes, Michael. Many uh, points that <laughs> may be uh, divisive between characters. Last Jedi, Jar Jar, uh, all these stuff that the sequel trilogy has done. But we have never gotten into this topic, Michael, and that topic is never, yeah. the Ewoks. We...
1: Um, we- I don't think we've ever really brought up the Ewok. All right, we did once where I joked about the what if scenario of whether, whether the uh, characters were eaten by the Ewoks. Um, but, <laughs> like, that's pretty much it. We, we really haven't brought up the Ewoks as a discussion very much. So, uh, go ahead. What do you, what's your opinions? You pro Ewok? <laughs> Are they stupid?
0: Yes. Do, yeah. I, do I care? Nope. <laughs> Look, I uh, used
1: to be more like, it ruins the film. Like, it paces it too slowly or, like, it doesn't work with the rest of the film. But no, there's nothing more Return of the Jedi than just the Ewoks. Like, I know. Talking it's, about so much, that's it's, so
0: true. It's so Return of the Jedi.
1: Yeah, it's like that's, the that's... feel of it... The Star Wars, like just the pure, just acceptance of yeah, we're in a Star Wars film and we're just gonna accept it. And like the Ewoks yeah. is so good, I love it how they're so they're so cute, so cuddle like cuddleable, lovable, like a uh, and like and and like whenever they show up, it's adorable. However, one they're like really aggressive, and two. <laughs> People forget they tried to eat the main cast.
0: They did. They did try to eat the main cast. They are killer teddy bears. Um, so basically, it's, it's hilarious. Look, yeah. I, I, do, I I do like the Ewoks. I do like the Ewoks. Do that? Does it like? It's it, it is probably my least favorite part of the film, but at the same time, I do really like them. I yeah. will say that it's they not were enough originally... to ruin the
1: film or try and bring it down. Bring it down in any yeah.
0: way. Look, it's it, exactly it is one of the uh, for me one of the things that I can critique the film for is that it really starts to slow down when you get to the Ewoks, but it doesn't even come close to like ruining the film or anything like that. No. Originally, it was supposed to be a planet of Wookies. And it was supposed to be a homecoming. To right. Kish- uh, it was supposed to be a homecoming for yep. Chewbacca, but they didn't have the budget to create to make all these uh, ch- uh, Wookie suits. So they literally downsized them and made them teddy bears yep. instead. There are parts where, like, and again, getting into the critique, there are literally parts where you can see human eyes through the get ga- through the through the eye gaps. Oh, In, really? in, the, in the Ewoks, <laughs> and that thing that that happens where suddenly an Ewok can speak English after they start worshiping C-3PO as a god, and he goes like, "Trito Dobra Itayoto Esu." No knockout or something like that, and then the Ewok turns to the second Ewok and he's like, Yep, that's twice right.
1: <laughs> Wait, actually, do they speak English? One of them says, or yep. basic, I guess,
0: very, that... ba- very, 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 very basic. Oh English, my, but at some but at I... point, they were just like,
1: oh, No visual, like, sorry, uh, the uh, basic is the language of English in the Styles universe, yeah, so but yeah,
0: uh, yeah. yeah, but he goes, he turns to his like Ewok friend and he's like. Yep, yeah, that, yep, that's wise.
1: <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's uh, that's I just, hilarious. I
0: love it. Yep, yeah. that's wise. So well, funny. I know
1: that you were talking about like the eyes and stuff. This has probably one of the most insignificant uh changes in like of all like the cinematic so special edition releases or whatever of these films where they add in eyelids, they're blinking. <laughs> yeah, the Ewoks. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah, the, the, they add in eyelids for the Ewoks for them to blink. That's a change they did yeah. for the uh, special but, you edition. Know, I,
0: I mean, like, what I mean by saying the, the idea that, like, you know, probably my least favourite part of the film where I'm sort of just like, okay, maybe we could get into, you know, what else is happening with the Rebellion yeah. or maybe Darth Vader, is because yeah. when they start to you know, they take them back to the village and they're, like, they're about to be, you know, roasted on a spit or something like that. You know yeah. the original characters aren't all going to die. So, <laughs> so so, there's less stakes in this film than I... The, the, sorry, not in the film, in this scene yeah. than the maker, than the filmmakers obviously wanted there to be. And that's yeah, why like, I sort in of...
1: Empire, like, in Empire, there's big stakes towards, like, Han. Like, we know after the fact that he's not going to die. But, like, especially at the time, you're like, ooh, what's going on with Han at the end of Empire? This yeah. has got big stakes. There is nowhere near that level of stakes in the middle of a film in Return no of the Jedi. Like, maybe they're going to be eaten and the film will end. That, that,
0: those stakes do return for the third act, thankfully. Like, uh, yep. like you know, they, they oh, could have yeah, fallen into the trap of having those stakes be just detracted hey, hey, completely. But, but fortunately, it's only for this scene.
1: They'll be turned into stakes. <laughs>
0: well done Michael well done Um, also I do love the scene that like you know just these little like you know tidbits of the Ewoks but like when you know when they cut them down and like Han reunites with Leia and he kisses her when they go (laughs) (laughs) woo or or, like you know when RG2 goes goes ahead and like zaps the Ewok like three times but also something that we just accidentally like sidelined I want to get into quickly Uh, this film launched the career of Warwick Davis and he's just a legend and his own right Um, if you haven't go Watch the Skywalker Legacy documentary that came out in tandem I do, I need to watch Rise this, of Skywalker yeah. because there's a whole thing that actually flashes back to the making of Return of the Jedi and they have all these interviews with, uh, Warwick Davis when he was a kid. He is the most adorable mm. child, um... And he's just, oh, yeah. it, it's, it's awesome. And he like, he has that, that he is, has this, uh, he has this thing where he rapped on the film and he has this part where they all reunite in the woods. And like, you know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, and Peter Mayhew all say goodbye to him. And he's just like, thank you. Great to work with you and stuff like that. It's just, oh, so, so, so <laughs> cute. Oh, um, that is
1: very good. It's just um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think another thing we've kind of not mentioned is how good is c and R2D2 in this film? He, they're, like, great. They're, they're great. They're great. They're like, in in like especially on uh, in Java's palace, like C-3PO just is just just not want to go in and keeps trying to find like excuses to get out, and they're just like banned to within Java's palace this and different be. parts like R2, and, and, and with the, the Ewoks. This is this is probably my favorite C-3PO film, like. Empire he's pretty good like it's just like it's a fun like annoyance in Empire but it is he's just so much fun in this film I love he c He's a in lot of fun uh,
0: yeah Archie, I really don't think we should rush into all this and there's like uh, and that part where in, in again just going back very quickly that part where they're like going through uh, Jabba's palace and he's like getting strangled by yep. all the stuff that's trapped in a cell and he's like oh oh, yeah. oh how horrid yeah. and stuff like that yeah awesome. they're like
1: torturing the droids why do they torture the droids but how does that they also they set their feet on fire. Do they have like pain receptors in the feet of exactly. droids? Exactly. They also feel pain, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah, um, I know. Like, this brings up some ethical questions of droids you kind of don't want to have to think about. Or droid lives maybe it'll we'll be guys. joined. Droid yeah, like matter. going back to a solo, like <laughs> it's an interesting film out of all of them to bring up something that like poignant. Like, yeah, kind of like if you look at the way that the droids are shown in the original trilogy, especially like droids are. Fully sapient creatures. You yeah, know. no.
0: Uh, yeah. So, anyway, getting back to what we were up to, um, this mm. basically leads us to—it's again a, mo- a part of this, a part of the movie that, like, you know, slows down entirely. But it's cool to see is that. Um, th- you were just talking about C-3PO. Even C-3PO has progression throughout these in, throughout this trilogy because it yeah. goes from the guy in uh, that um, oil bath in the original trilogy where saying, I'm not much more yep. than an interpreter and not very good at telling stories to telling the story of the original yep. trilogy to the Ewoks. And that's awesome. And he goes, that's just a fun scene. Yeah. And that part that, again, this movie also, out of the three films, is really funny. It is really funny. Yeah. Um, because that part when you just like... Um, that scene with Han and uh, C. Thupio when he keeps telling him stuff and he's just like, Hurry up, will you? Hey, I don't got all day. And, like, you know, he's like, um, <laughs> We need some fresh supplies, too. And he goes to, and he turns him around again and says, And try to get our weapons back. And he turns him around again and says, Will yep. you hurry up? <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Just, oh, he messes with him so much.
0: Yeah, that's true. If anyone has to go to, like, a Droid Lives Matter seminar in this trilogy, it's probably Han. Uh, but then yeah. this leads us into that scene, which actually. Maybe one of my, uh, my, you know what? No, it's not my favorite. It's actually, I'd say it's my second favorite. Uh, Like, you know, small Mm. character moments in this film uh, between heart with between Luke and Leia. Uh, where they have a real discussion about their mother that being padme of course uh you know mm. we're, we're, that, that uh, and i guess you could sort of look at it as a pothole but again it's not really a pothole because based on her connection to well, the force she would have been able to yeah. tell what padme looked like but when he asks "Do you remember One, your mother? it's not
1: a pothole in terms of like this film came out first but in terms of yeah you can like rational ra- rational a little bit yeah. in terms of yeah just, just the a little way bit. that she sees the mother in the yeah. force
0: just a little bit she died when i was very young yeah literally like seven seconds old and she
1: passed away yeah um, uh,
0: yeah so anyway that's it's it's really interesting and it actually begs the question to me like you know the expand in the expanded universe whether or not Luke ever tried to learn more about his mother because in this scene you know you hear him say, I have no memory of my mother. I never knew her and stuff like that, which is yeah. sad. But at the same time, it's also interesting. Is like, did Luke or Isn't Leia so? ever investigate um, what their mother was like? Because it would have been really interesting to see. But um, anyway, Look, there you go. Um, I
1: assume Leia probably would have found out a lot about her mother at some point, like growing up. Yeah. With in terms of her dad being close, very close friends with him like her adopted father and mother being very close friends with Padme, they, she probably would have found out a lot about her at some point. Yeah, well, it's um, true. Bail
0: Organa probably would have said, okay, your, yeah. mother, your mother was an amazing woman, a powerful senator, yeah, stuff like, like that. A, yeah, yeah. Uh, so
1: that probably would have happened. Um, and so I guess Luke could have found out through Leia all that. Um, I'm not too sure if they ever have done that, but I mean... I feel like the chances are almost 100. percent Like at some time they would have explored like. Luke There's bound to be a comic somewhere. There's bound to yeah. be a
0: comic somewhere where Luke yeah, was able definitely. to learn more about his mum, uh, or something like that, or even commune with her. Because in the EU, it's actually been said that apparently Padme's midi count was higher than Anakin's. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I know. That's okay, weird. I do not. Did you I not don't know that? that. Yeah, I did not know. I remember that. seeing that's... it at some point on YouTube. I'm just like, wow, really? Uh, but what? Anyway, what? anyway, okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, that...
1: I Minichlorians mean, are interesting. Although one thing I do find interesting, I love. Yeah, okay, you saw him saying this film was funny. I don't know whether it was intentional, but definitely what I think is the funniest se- film in the scene in the entire film is where Han first comes back and is like, uh, "Oh, you love you, you love Luke," then and she's like, "Yes, I love Luke," and he's <laughs> like, "All right, fine, I'll stay away if you need to," and she's like, "Oh, it's not like that. He's my brother," and then Han's face just. <laughs> Wait, what? We literally, and- Michael,
0: we literally talked yep. about this last week with Trey. Yep.
1: <laughs> yep. And uh- you could interpret it as, oh, yeah, he's just being like, oh, that means you actually love me or whatever. But no, 100% he's thinking back to whatever happened between, like, but, but, but you've kissed so many times. <laughs>
0: Um, but anyway, yes, getting back to the scene with Luke and Leia, I do love this scene because it's beautifully, beautifully acted by Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. You know that they work so well together because they did have a real brother-sisterly relationship throughout the making of these three films. Um, Mm. and that part where he just flat out says, he's my father. And then that reaction, the reaction that Leia has is so profound. But then when she finds out that he's, that she's his sister, something that I always, um... Thought was maybe missing from this scene is 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 um, I mean obviously she thought about it later, but you never mm. really get to see the implication of Leia finding out that not only is uh, Luke Vader's um, uh, son, but she is also Vader's daughter. You know, so yeah. Um, and so
1: that that definitely is explored in comics with uh, or, or like an extra thing. So there's this book called Bloodline, which Bloodline yes, which I haven't read. Yeah, but like which talks about the impact of her. Of like the politically, especially with her being the daughter of Vader, but like yeah, that that isn't really brought up at all.
0: Well, yeah, in the I believe it was brought up in one of the visual dictionaries for the sequel trilogy films is that the that's the whole reason that uh, Leia was ousted from the New Republic Senate be- was because her um, her father was Darth Vader, which again doesn't really make a lot of sense because. I because yeah. because she also would have said uh yeah okay before you guys fire me um just so you know the biggest hero that we've ever like you know our main like you know the the hero of the rebellion Luke freaking Skywalker yeah he was Darth Vader's son too like but whatever um but yeah that's something that I've always like you know it's good that it was expanded on in the books but if you look at it as a movie itself I've always thought that was missing but anyway the next scene that you get mm-hmm. is absolutely my favorite part of this film. And it's when Vader and Luke have that discussion on that bridge before he is taken to the Emperor. There is so, so much going on in this scene. Not only do you get to hear the name Anakin be referred to the first time. Oh, no, no, no. Obi-Wan says it first. But um, I guess it's the first time that Vader has heard the name Anakin in a long time up to that yep. point. And then Vader just turns so erratically and says, that name... No longer has any meaning for me and stuff, and that's why Luke is so adamant on saying he's not gone. All right, you still have good in you, and that's why Luke is such a redeeming character. And and um, you know that's why I love him so much is because regardless of anything Darth Vader did, um, he still knew, he still had um he still had hope that his father could come back, and that's why Luke is such a great um, hero because he really just never gives up throughout the entirety of this film. But something that I've always found yeah. so profound in this scene is. Um, throughout the entirety of the trilogy, Darth Vader is completely resigned to the role he has and the role that he has to the Emperor. The idea that he is completely evil all the time. There's no going back. But at the but in this part where Luke says, "I feel the conflict within you. Just let go of your hate," Darth Vader says, "It's too late for me, son." Like that 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 part there, I've always found so um deep, deep to Darth Vader. Because in that moment, I feel like Anakin sort of came back and said like look, Luke, it's just too late for me. Like, you know, you can just, you, I, I, I appreciate you're trying to, to to do this, but it's just not going to happen. I've, um, especially mm. after everything I've done, like, you know, sort of that sort of like, you know, that sort of connotation that's applied to this line is just really well done. And it lends itself to why Lawrence Kasdan was such a um, great choice to write these last two films. Um, and that part where Luke is, is escorted off by the stormtroopers and says, then my father is truly dead, and he moves off, and Vader has yep. that moment, that little moment, Michael, where he peers over the bridge, he has that moment yeah. to himself, and you can and you can tell he is thinking over literally everything he's ever done in his life, and it's so beautifully yep. framed. I love the,
1: the way they build up doubt in Vader in this film.
0: Yeah, it's so well done.
1: Definitely. Uh,
0: now, what comes next? That would be the part where they go back to Endor, and basically that part that happens where the Ewok like <laughs> takes a speeder bike and distracts the troopers, and then they make their yep. way into the shield generator room. Um, also, cool little trivia thing that like you know was obviously mentioned later on in star wars you know fandom uh captain rex <laughs> is uh in this because yeah. yeah, he's he's the beaded um uh, rebel yeah, yeah i think uh, at the front
1: i don't know if they've ever officially confirmed they have it. okay well it's, it's just like a fun little thing where they're like oh yeah let's make that captain rex
0: yeah uh yeah so that's that's uh, pretty cool. And that, and obviously, this also leads into the idea that the Rebellion is now on their way to go to the uh, Death Star, which basically brings us to our third act. Now, I mentioned this before we started recording, Michael. Re- like I said, Return of the Jedi is not my favorite Star Wars film, but this f- that this movie's last act might be my favorite thing we've ever gotten in Star Wars. It is yep. literally non-stop action, fun, yeah. edge of your seat, all the time, and that's why I love I it think so
1: much. It's like there's three main elements to it. There is the uh, Endor attack, on, like on Endor, with the with the Ewoks and everything. There's the space battle, in, in, like in space, with the Death Star trying to blow it up, and then there's the fight between Luke, Vader, and the Emperor. Yes. And I think the part with Luke, Vader, and the Empire is probably the most, probably the the best of all of the original trilogy, in my opinion. It is so effective and the way it's done is pretty much perfectly done in that that like couple of scenes or whatever with them the way that they like build up doubt between like Anakin and like sorry sorry uh between the like Palpatine uh get like turning Luke like twisting feeding into his hate and Luke falling for it and then the fight with Vader that they encounter and then like uh Vader like manipulating Luke with a with the, like learning about Leia and then Luke just like feeding into his dark side and just anger and attacking him until him realizing what he's done when he sees vader on the floor and throwing away his lightsaber and just accepting like no i am a jedi this is not what i will do and then palpatine like turning on him and then vader's eventual like return and like accepting of him being like his father and like turning on the emperor it's probably the best of all star wars in my opinion
0: I absolutely agree. This whole thing that we were talking about, I think it was related to uh, Qui-Gon and how he was one of the last embodiments of what the Jedi truly should be. Like, you yeah. know, that's that really comes up to what, uh, that really culminates Luke's own mentality by the end of this film. It's because uh, the Palpatine doesn't understand. He literally has no conceivable understanding of why there is such amazing, amazing power in front of you and you refuse to take it. Like, he's like, you, you, I can offer you all the power in the world. Why won't you take this? And Luke just looks at him and says, "Because I." love my father and I'm not going to let you corrupt, um, that part where, again, it just comes back to why I think this movie is so beautifully constructed in terms of the, the, just the directing and the filmmaking itself is that part where Luke has given up to, given into his dark tendencies after Vader basically threatens his sister, um, and he chops off his hand and then he's about to kill him. Emperor Palpatine says, make your, uh, take your father's place at my side. And he, he looks down at Vader's, um, uh, severed, severed hand. And then he looks over to his own mechanical hand and he takes that breath where he's just like, ah, like, you know, and that part where he realizes that he's becoming what exactly what Palpatine wants. And that's why he has that Mm -hmm. moment of clarity where he deactivates his lightsaber and says, no, I will never join you. And he throws away his lightsaber and says, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. It is the combination of Luke's character. It is the combination of, um, Anakin's character at the same time, th- uh, you know, uh, uh, retroactively through Luke, which is obviously expanded on the very next scene. Um, and that's why I think it's just so beautiful. And why return of the Jedi is, is, is just awesome to me is because this scene practically makes the movie. It makes the movie for me. Michael, yeah. is because of the fact that it's so well yeah, done. Exactly. Luke Skywalker is, um, is just typified as the hero you always wanted in that part where Papa, it still like gives me shivers no matter how many times I watch it when he goes, so be it Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, Oh, it's so good. Um, and then Definitely.
1: anyway, um, and so I like the rest of it is like great as well, but just to highlight that, like people like try to like, Oh yeah, Return of the Jedi is the weakest or whatever. And there's some merit to that, but this film is probably the peak of Star Wars. So this, this scene this the this part with luke vader and the emperor that the three of them there like this is probably the most the peak of star wars in my opinion and I, and i think that's just that's really cool like this film the, the, like you can break down the scene in so many ways but yes you're saying yeah uh,
0: no i absolutely agree and that part that happens right after when palpatine uh, starts to um starts to you know kill luke and that part where vader's standing right beside him and he's and his head is going from, from Luke to the emperor, Luke to the emperor and Luke just like, you know, he's yelling out for his father to help him and he does and yo and uh, Anakin's quest as the chosen one to bring balance to the force is completed because and that is just something that was so um, amazing about George Lucas's massive massive through line that he has had, that he conceived from like a very early stage even before the prequels were a thing is that he made Anakin the chosen one when he was a Jedi and people thought that that was complete rubbish because of the fact that he did such terrible things at the height of the empire but uh, like, you know, showing that Anakin was literally the chosen one until his last moments when he saved his son as Darth Vader and killed the Emperor, it shows that it's it's this amazing, amazing message to just like, you know, just life and, you know, kids, what have you, is that sometimes people stumble, they fall, they do the wrong thing sometimes, but ultimately they can um, uh, be redeemed they can be better people and that's Anakin's story and that's why you know Star Wars is all about Anakin's story in my opinion because it's completely told from his yeah exactly um, yeah it's it's that's George Lucas has said. Star Wars is Anakin's story, and, and you can see why in this last scene. And um, just one final thing is that, like, you know, uh, I believe it was released uh, in a special edition and then even expanded on in uh, the Blu-ray version, which is also the version that's available on Disney+, Plus. is that last moment before he picks up Emperor, he goes, No. <laughs> yeah. Um, when he when he's about to pick up uh, the Emperor, and he goes, No. No! That's like, a <laughs> Um... I mean, look, I'm not a big fan of that because the entire. Because the, the brilliance of that part of, of um, Vader in this scene is his silence. Because um, you don't know what he's going to do. Uh, but yeah, that yep. basically brings a culmination to the third act, other than, like, you know, the space battle, which is amazing with um, Lando in the Millennium Falcon. And that chase through the Death Star is so well done. The TIE Fighter escape sequence comes back, it just hits all the right beats. It's fantastic. And obviously, down on Endor with. Um, yeah, with a army of teddy bears fighting against the galactic empire um <laughs> yeah, look again it is very far fetched but it's a but, but um y- i really think you need to appreciate the message which is basically saying that it doesn't matter how authoritarian or how suppressive you think you can be there will always be even the smallest little bit of rebellion in this case an army of pr- yeah. of of, uh, of of primal teddy bears <laughs> that will stand up against you there will always be that that spark of resistance that will be there no matter what and that's why i think that that that's what i think this scene is supposed to convey regardless of its yes a bit you know stupidity <laughs> i will say yeah, um, it's fun it is fun no it you absolutely look, is you fun
1: have, you have to look at it yeah no i mean I've, yeah i'm not saying you don't think it's fun what i'm saying is yeah like the criticisms of it like yes you can understand things but you have to look at it through the tone of the film and at this point of the film it's it's just a fun like it's all about like finishing off the franchise and like all people coming together and yes sometimes that means giant like killer sorry sorry small uh killer teddy bears but i i think it it works in the tone of the film and not everyone is down for it but i think to not accept it to be like oh this isn't star wars like this is the most Return of the Jedi of like of the film, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I
0: think so too. And uh, yeah, so basically, I guess you could sort of lead that into the last scene of the fi- one of the last scenes of the film, and probably the most heavy and emotionally resonant part of the film. And it's why it's way uh, like you know maybe one of my favorite parts of the movie too. Not only do you get to see that white in like you know inner fold of Luke's uh, you know um, suit sort of start to fold out, which means that he's not going to let the dark side corrupt him again. That's just amazing storytelling in terms of direction and filmmaking. But the scene itself where you get to see Vader unmasked he is so beautiful because he says like, you know, I'm not going to leave you here. I'm here to save you and stuff like that. And he's like, you mm. already have. You'll right about me and tell your sister you were right. It's all so well done. Sebastian Shaw, who originally played Anakin Skywalker in this scene does yep. very well with his only scene in star Wars yeah. being this is great. And, um, mm. I just love the idea that Luke was like, um, I, you know, that part that he, kn- he knows his dad's going to die. But that point where he's sort of starting to keel back on the landing pad of that shuttle, when Luke says, I, I won't leave you, father, I won't leave you, and stuff. Like, you know, yeah. I love that even though he knows he's going to die, he wanted to leave his father with the idea that he's not going to just leave him, he will be, um, he- he'll yeah. be he- he's not yes. going to leave him here, which I guess was uh, Luke's idea, yeah. w- Luke's um, way. Of, I get very sentimental when talking about this sort of thing. But um, yeah, no, it, it, definitely. Was, it was Luke's way of saying that, uh, you know... Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to abandon you regard uh, whether if you're gone or not. But, um, and yeah, that leads us down into the, uh, indoor fight and basically, sorry, not the Endor fight, the Endor uh, cessation where they celebrate and yeah. the, uh, the party scene at the end, which again, That's... I, I, yeah. um, I think I, mentioned
1: it, that controversy.
0: I think I mentioned it in our questionnaire on our very first episode. This is probably my favourite scene in all of Star Wars because oh, of yeah, yeah. because of the fact that I know it's not the most tonally or emotionally resonant part, but I just love a happy ending. And this is a very happy exactly. ending. Um and like, just...
1: Yes, we've got the sequel trilogy now, but this is such a perfect send off to the the Star Wars the original trilogy. Like we'll just we originally you would say franchise, let's just go original trilogy now, like it just—it's so—it encapsulates this happiness of just like overcoming an insurmountable odds of like of people banding together to fight for what's right. And I don't know—it's great. It's you can just tell so much. that Everyone's celebrating. Someone—it'd be such a fun party to be at. Just hanging out with the Ewoks. Just you know the Stormtrooper helmets that got there of, of decapitated Stormtroopers. They. <laughs> <did it. That's laughs> so All true. That. Um, yeah. and yeah, so much fun.
0: I guess that, uh, puts a button on our return of the Jedi discussion in yeah. all in all, I Great love film. return of the Jedi to this day. And yep. I guess we can sort of start ranking it now. So I think, um, yeah, just,
1: well, before, just before we rank, just like, yeah, it's, you can just tell through the original trilogy, these films are just so good. There's like a next level above them that, that that's the prequel trilogy, just as much as I love the prequel trilogy, just couldn't meet. So yes, let's rank them.
0: Yes. One of the most amazing uh, trilogies of all time and three of my favourite movies ever uh, I will watch them until I am old and grey and there is no shame in that and our mm. ranking, I think okay, I think it's I think it's pretty straightforward again so I yep. might say it and see if you agree um, yeah. in 6th place, Attack of the Clones in 5th place, Phantom Menace in 4th place, Revenge of the Sith in 3rd place, Return of the Jedi in 2nd place, A New Hope in 1st place, Empire Strikes Back
1: Yeah, I I think I have to agree. Look again, but Renew Hope, Return of the Jedi, they they could they could easily fluctuate any other way. No, no, no. Especially after having, especially after having watched this one again, I just it's just so much fun. But yeah, I think overall. Considering, like, if I was to rewatch A New Hope again, yeah, I would probably agree. That would be the good ranking.
0: Yeah. And you know what? It sounds it sounds kind of contradictory, but um, I honestly, at some points, regardless of my mood, I would probably watch Return of the Jedi more times than the original Star Wars, but it's just in terms of a film itself, there are yeah. only those little, little bits... That make a new hope a better film. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, a new hope
1: is just—it's like was just such a breath of fresh air when it first came out.
0: Exactly, uh, and that wraps up uh, the uh, episode, the, yeah. the, the the episode, and the retrospective for the entire original trilogy. We've now analysed uh, two yeah. trilogies and have <coughs> one to one to go.
1: <laughs> that will be some fun discussions when we get there. But oh, uh, yes. Yeah. It'll Thanks everyone for sticking around for this episode. Hope you enjoyed the discussions and the news. Uh, I guess we'll finish it up now. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I know. We've gone pretty long this episode, but I really don't oh, mind yeah. <laughs> because we've, we've had some really great discussion. Uh, today. Yeah, and, fun. Uh, if you guys are still here, thank you very much for that. Uh, the time <laughs> codes for our three main discussions this week will be available in the description, as well as the fact that we will be available on uh, every podcast platform that you listen to us on as of 12pm AEST on uh, Sunday. Like we said, the 6th of September, which is probably the date you're listening to this on or maybe listening to us throughout the week doesn't matter (laughs) we'll also be Mm -hmm. available on youtube the day the day right after 12 p.m aest at the same time we're also available on social media instagram facebook and twitter follow us there make sure you stay up to date and uh that's pretty much it michael um yeah yeah. thank you guys very much for listening to us as always see you next week uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't know what next week will entail. Maybe a Mandalorian we'll work trailer. It out. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully we'll work it out. We'll find out Maybe we'll just play another fun game or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but all in all, guys, again, thank you very much for listening. We'll, we'll hear you and see you next week. This has been telling the me
1: Earth.